Welcome to episode 74 of the Movie City Maniacs. On tonight's episode, we cover everything we've been watching. everyone to the movie city maniacs i'm kyle and i'm maddie and joining us once again adam bentley is here Boo! <laughs> <laughs> hi thanks for having me guys i know it might sound a bit weird but we're doing this uh all on our phones and we're recording in this i don't know if you guys have heard about this but there's something going around uh called uh covid so that's why we might be a bit um uh, the audio might be a bit off and we can also blame the um, the terrible podcasting on, on COVID um, as well, somehow. Yeah, because well, of course. It's, it's a lot harder to do this when you're not all in the same room, you know? We don't really have a great track record when we're all in the same room either, so <laughs> we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, it's a b- low bar, guys. But uh, yes, we just wanted to do, uh, we've uh, got one episode leading up to our big 75th episode, where if you haven't heard, we're going to be running down our top 25 each uh Horror films of the uh, the last decade, so from 2010 to 2019, I guess. Yep. Uh, before getting into that, though, uh, we wanted to do one quick episode, just kind of as a catch up, uh, and just run down. It's been a, it's been a little while. We've been stuck at home, and we've been watching a lot of films. So we thought we'd take this time just to get one more episode out and just talk about everything we watched. Um, I will say, I don't know about you guys, but for me, there is going to be a lack of horror because, to be honest. Anytime I'm watching a horror film, for the most part, it is one for that decade. And I don't want to talk about those now if we're going to talk about them next episode. So save it for the uh, the big boy. The big yeah. Opus. So I do have something I want to talk about before we get into it. I've been watching yeah. a lot of Raven Banner movies. Are you guys familiar with this uh, movie company, Raven Banner? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've watched probably about like six to ten. And every single cover has a reference to David Cronenberg. Have you noticed this, Rod? Well, no, it's I, weird, I right? Not, I, I guess it makes sense. Next there time are... you watch a Raven Banner movie, like pick it up, it's going to say like every review is going to say remind you of early Cronenberg. I think it's a Toronto-based uh, company, so yeah, you know, if you're talking Canadian horror, you pretty much have you know David you Cronenberg, Cronenberg. So yeah, it's just uh, they, they are definitely running a type at that point. <laughs> And also, I know there's been a lot of bad news in the uh, media about this whole COVID thing and all this shit's going on. But have you guys heard about the uh, They Live remakes? No. They're going to do a whole trilogy of it. Uh, it's going to start off with They Live, and then they're going to follow it up with They Laugh and They Love. Is that a joke? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> you don't think that was a great joke? Well, I was uh, so proud of that. Yeah, there's some other news, and that might explain your humor now. Uh, <laughs> Maddie's a father now, so yeah. 
<laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Maddie. Hopefully the audience laughter will fill in that silence there. Right. But um, I don't know. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? Or should we just jump into it? I think we we all kind of got um, a lot of films to talk about, I guess. Yeah. I do have a uh, surprise for you guys. I made up a game. I don't know if you guys want to play it now or if we get bored talking about movies, we'll play it midway through. But it's either going to be called uh, Gilding the Lillard or This is Lillard, Lillard Night. I have a list here of 12 movies, and it's your guy's job to say, was Matthew Lillard in it or not? Uh, I'm pretty much Matthew Lillard's biggest fan, so. Oh, so uh, Adam's at a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, let's do it from the beginning. Let's set the tone of this podcast with a Matthew Lillard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so proud of myself for thinking about this game. All right, Adam, I'm going to start you off with an easy one, buddy. Was yeah. Matthew Lillard in I Know What You Did Last Summer? He was. He was not. Oh, he's in Scream? Maybe. Kyle, was Matthew Lillard in 13 Ghosts? Matthew Lillard. Um, yes. He was. That's one point for Kyle. Fuck, this is going to be a bad round. Adam, was Matthew Lillard in Can't Hardly Wait? No. No, one point for Adam. Kyle, was he in SLC Punk? Um, yes. He was. Kyle, pulling up, pulling up. Adam, was Matthew Lillard in Idle Hands? No. No, two. Kyle, was he in Scream 2? Yes. No. What? He was not. Isn't he in the flashback? That doesn't count. He's not he's not even credited in that. Oh, really? I thought he's in I thought like he they find like a video he's in that three. he recorded. Sorry? In three. That was uh Jamie Kennedy that you're thinking oh, of. Oh, okay. Oh, I've been answering all these as if we're talking about Jamie Kennedy. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right, where was it? Adam, was Matthew Lillard in Without a Paddle? Yes. Yes. I actually Kyle. own that movie. How many points do I have? Uh, you are, Adam has three, Kyle has two. But you did start this off, so we'll see if Kyle can tie it up uh, right now. Was ML and She's All That? No. He was. Uh, <laughs> Adam. Was he in Freddy versus Jason? No. He was not. Oh. Yes. Kyle, was he in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Yes. He was not. What? Ooh. Ooh. All right. We got two more. So we'll start off with Adam. Adam, was Matthew Lillard in American Pie number two? No. No. Kyle, was my boy Mattiel in Once Upon a Time in Mexico? No. He was not. So, Adam, five points. Kyle, three. So, Adam is the official Matthew Lillard uh, fan club. Yeah, he I'm, is. I'm, that one I did not think I was going to win. <laughs> is Matthew Lillard so, the guy that played Shaggy, right? Yeah, you got it. No, he okay. is Shaggy. Yeah, that's that's all I know him from all the the cartoons. To be, to be, well, it'd be yeah. easy if I just said like Shaggy in any of these Scooby Doo movies. Yeah, well, you could have tricked him because you know there's there's probably a couple he didn't do the voice for, but oh, uh, yeah, I would trick him, but not you. 
I, I figure like I would have been at a disadvantage. But by the way, guys, that's pretty much uh, my uh, contribution to this podcast. So you two have fun. <laughs> Those are all the movies you watched during the pandemic. <laughs> that's all I've done. It's all Matthew Lillard. I came up with that game. I came up with the uh, lay, lay live joke, and that's pretty much my uh, load has been blown. Yeah, you definitely are a father. Right? <laughs> well, do you guys just want to jump into it then, or do you got any other uh, quizzes, Matt, on Jamie Kennedy or uh, Jason Mewes yeah, or maybe, what? Maybe next one I'll do a Jamie Kennedy one. Okay. Well, I, I guess I'll start off. Actually, Adam, um, I'm sure he'll talk about it, but he's been watching some John Hughes and – And he brought up uh, Porky's. uh, I just watched Porky's too. Nice. Yeah, I was actually going to bring this up because I love this movie. I know I shouldn't because it is kind of offensive as hell, but there is so much charm in it. See, yeah, we we can talk about that. I mean, I think Adam watched it coming off of like Fast Times and John Hughes films. Okay. And I feel like he didn't enjoy it as much as I did, but I also said like, this is kind of a different subgenre you know i mean those are kind of like coming of age you know kind of more real this is kind of like it's a sexploitation kind of deal yeah, yeah exactly it's more about like how much boobs like and, comedy yeah exactly but yeah no i i really dug it myself as well i wasn't sure um reading his comments and it's been a while that i wasn't sure if i would uh, still enjoy it as much as i did now that i'm you know a lot of these films i loved and i watched when i was you know we were in our mm-hmm teens early 20s and we were just going <laughs> to bars for different reasons than you were back then well i feel like a lot of these films you would watch and kind of not necessarily relate to the characters but in some cases you'd want to be them like the cool guys that are getting laid maybe not necessarily this group of characters yeah but yeah i don't know it's, it's just uh i was kind of worried that it wouldn't hold up considering it's just a bunch mm-hmm. of young guys trying to get laid in different ways but you know what i liked about this they actually have a love for each other. There's like, like almost like, I know they're like fucking around and like busting each other's balls, but there's like a camaraderie and friendship that they all have. And it teaches you almost like a weird life lesson against racism, which I didn't think would be possible while watching Porky's. You yeah, know exactly. Like, it definitely has like, I know some people are playing how racist is and everything. It's like some of the characters, obviously, and you have to remember, this is a movie in the eighties. It's supposed to take place in the fifties. So but the one guy kind of came around in the end. He's like, Hey, he's not that yeah. bad. I, 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 I'm an heir of my ways. My father was a racist. So I was a racist for him. But at the end of it, he kind of like calls him a friend and embraces him. But there's some stuff at the beginning where they're using the N word. The other guy. Yeah. 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 That was a bit, uh, that was uh, not, I was thinking, and like it, it is an offensive movie, but I'm surprised there was a touch of like humanity in it. And again, I don't know. I can watch these movies and look at it as like this is supposed to be a product of its time. Like, do you? It's yeah. like doing Django and Chain stuff like that. Like that's how it was. I mean, you can if you want it to be feel like real life, then you know you got to have that kind of stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'll let Adam jump in. But um, yeah, I was, I was surprised. I mean, just reading the comments, and again, like I think a lot of the comments coming from young people that are watching this for the first time, they can't. In in the world that we live in now, they can't handle that kind it of stuff. It would be hard to because it is it is offensive. But th- there's some. I mean, the lassie scene was hilarious with uh, Kim Cattrall. I thought that was funny. The uh, the highlight scene, of course, is where the um they're they're peeping on the girls through the uh, shower. Shower. Uh, I, 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 I love I, the girl who's trying to get all the guys to like line up with their dicks out. <laughs> she's yeah. like, I can I can spot the dick. I know which dick it is. I thought that the was kind of fun. Gym teacher, yeah, she's. <laughs> And she's literally going around to trying to like pull her pants down to uh, to, yeah. to find. You know, she she'll recognize the penis. But even where she's trying to explain that scene, 
to the gym teacher and the principal and they're all like howling and you could almost tell that like was a great scene because that lasted mm-hmm. for like a good five minutes of them just laughing at her which is yeah. kind of like i didn't i thought they would cut it off earlier but they kept it going for like a minute and i thought it was too long then a minute after that i'm like this is funny again so and i love to the uh porky the um strip club owner i guess they go there and he pretty much humiliates the the, the kids and then uh mm-hmm. you know the one friend keeps on going back there and getting beat up and then so they're going to get revenge on him i thought that was all kind of fun like mm-hmm. i know with these teen romps you always got to have like a, a villain even if it's like super ridiculous um and i thought he did a, a great i i guess my my problem with it is i do feel like and maybe and i feel like bob clark probably wanted that serious stuff in there um yeah. looking at because like, i think part two he directed and that deals with kkk i think that was important with him to kind of deal with these real life issues but i also feel like it kind of took out away from some of the film in a sense like for for this type of film i'm not looking for you know i think it creates massive pacing and plotting issues i do i yeah. I, I haven't broken up but i don't like this movie at all <laughs> yeah, man. I, I assumed you wouldn't <laughs> and i i remember thinking it was a lot of fun as a kid but i found it a slog uh to get through oh, yeah you were um, bored uh I, I hate to use the word bored but i i just found like I, I didn't care about any of these people i found all of them were pretty horrendously bad at portraying whoever they were supposed to do other than the most outlandish characters i wanted it to be more outlandish more ridiculous and it felt yeah. too rough all the time so the stuff that i think you guys like the product of its time, I, I don't really have an issue with any of that. Even though mm-hmm. I think it was dated probably when it came out. I like I just watched the last picture show uh on the weekend, which is an, another coming of age, and it felt much more modern a- a- now than Porky's did, and there's ten years between them. Um so yeah, I, I, I uh like I just didn't I didn't laugh uh, at all. Oh, and man. uh even the ones that you know, there's some of the John Hughes ones I didn't think were that good either uh, on rewatch. I think actually all of the John Hughes, other than Ferris Bueller's, don't hold up in Breakfast as, Club. Breakfast Club, I think I like as as the most out of out of all those the most. But I still found there were way more issues. Um, Judd Nelson's character is like ridiculously underwritten, and the relationship between him and Molly Ringwald doesn't make any sense. I was uh, thinking that that relationship makes no sense to me whatsoever. They they shouldn't hook up. They just kind of hook up for the sake of hooking up, right? Just I don't know. I, I, I think I get it. It's kind of like the 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 opposites attract. She's she's mm-hmm. attracted to the bad boy, and it's. I mean, I don't think you know. They just never play it up. Like the way it happens at the end feels so for. And I don't. Rem- I didn't remember. Yeah. That. Um. So yeah, I've been going through. We've been going through all these. You know, eighties teen movies. Um, what other like John Hughes movies did you go through? Did you do like Pretty in Pink? We did. So the first one we did was Sixteen Candles, which I found was pretty like okay. Anthony Michael Hall is incredible in it, uh, and yeah. every he's in, uh, you know, it, it instantly is like, oh, this is why this is so exciting. Um, and then we watched Breakfast Club, which. Out of out of the rewatches, it it was of the John Hughes stuff. I found the best. Like I I gave it, I would give it like you know pretty high marks. But that one I loved as a teenager, and I found um a little bit more discombobulated than I remembered. Uh, and then Pretty in Pink, which I found fairly Before horrendous. You start. Can, can I make a confession? 
I don't think I have ever watched Breakfast Club from like start to finish, although I have seen it in its entirety probably over a hundred times. EBS, like a million. Up, it was always on TV, and it was like, hey, I'll pick it up here, I'll pick it up here, there, and there. I never actually watched it from the get go. Oh, I think rarely had I I done that, um, and like I'd, I'd seen it a million times, but it it was one that, uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised that I had as many issues, like. The the big fist pump at the end was such a like oh I don't whatever like I don't um, whereas a kid I remember being like yeah fucking the song plays the, the song is amazing and the music great and and all like all, there's so many great moments in the Breakfast Club that especially when they're all in the room together it's it's often mm-hmm. one where they try to add um, I find it's it's actually mostly on the Judd Nelson character I just like found I, I i didn't relate to him it was so heavy-handed how they tried to make his life you know this this terrible how? thing to by him being fucking terrible you guys I are hurting me right now by uh, <laughs> i think he's a term banner day in the zeko household quite a bit though um but pretty in pink was the worst of them for, for sure and it's mainly because molly ringwald uh john crier and andrew mccarthy are all terrible in, in the movie. John I find Fire, she's a real dud in that movie. She, but Harry Dean Stanton, who plays her dad, awesome. Annie Potts, who's like this older kind of mentor figure, amazing. And James Spader is fucking incredible in it. But the three leads, the actual leads of the movie, like John Cryer's big scene in the in the record store where he's he's doing the, I think it's Elvis Red. Um, put it to. Try a little tenderness or something. Yeah, I th- I thought that was terrible. Um, like oh, he's man, not very, he's not very good at like convincing you that oh there's there's more to this this guy. Um, he's just a fucking nerd. To uh, be honest, I don't even know if I've ever fully seen Sixteen Candles or um, Pretty in Pink. And this is where I was started going into it's like, do I not really like John Hughes? Because the writing of all three movies, I found some of the weakest. No, but like you like um, so Breakfast Club. Ferris Bueller is like amazing. Um, do you Fairly like uh, do you like uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Yeah, I love Planes, Trains. So that's when I started thinking about all the other. It, it was Home just, Alone is good too. Yeah, Home Alone's great. So yeah, I started thinking about everything, and I've seen all of those. Well, Uncle Buck is Uncle Buck is uh, John Hughes too, isn't it? I haven't seen Uncle Buck in twenty years. Anyways, and then uh, so what else did we watched? We watched Heather's, which I thought was phenomenal. And I think I never, I've never seen that. It's been on my list for ages. I want to check yeah, it out. I've been on the Blu-ray for like ten years. I just haven't been in the mood. <laughs> um, it's uh, like I had seen bits and pieces of this one. I don't think I'd ever seen it all the way through either. And uh, yeah, it blew me away. It, it instantly, like, for me, was was above all of those other ones. Um, and then. Did you watch Weird Science or no? No, we haven't. I, but I watched Weird Science a few years ago, and I remember thinking that was okay. Um, and then I watched Fast Times, and Fast Times is one I think I've, I also had just seen on like TBS and you know and other. Yeah, Fast cities. Times is amazing. Fast Times is amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, Fast Times was a more serious than like all these other ones. Like it's it has comedy, but it's also more like to me that's the most real. It's definitely the most real, but it's also I I laughed more in that one than I did the other three Hughes movies. Yeah, 
as much as I did it in Heather's. Heather's is just so fucking dark and ridiculous. It's amazing. So uh, I got John Hughes' uh, filmography here just because you frightened me. I was like, do I only enjoy three John Hughes films? <laughs> but he also did, like, um, obviously all the National Lampoon's films. He did uh, The Great Outdoors, which is one of my favorite comedies yeah. of all time. Uh, Dutch Career Opportunities, which I don't know if is as good. Mr. Mom, he did. So, yeah, I think I think most people only know him from, like, the, the four... Team, you know yeah. the, the rat pack movies but i think like, so he was it's like uh an, one of my like favorites of the 80s uh you know that's incredible incredible which movie. one planes trains and automobiles oh, okay yeah yeah that's a film like i i liked it when i was younger but i enjoy it more and more as i'm older i guess i can relate more to these characters <laughs> okay do you relate to more and more to the john candy or the uh what's that steve martin character uh steve martin <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you that actually makes sense. <laughs> if we did a cross country trip, I would be John Candy and you would be Steve Martin. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh, that's true. You're the the heartfelt guy. Uh, I'm definitely like a stickler for. So anyway. the the last one we we watched, we kind of we were gonna keep watching them, and then we we kind of just like fell off a little bit. Was say anything? Which actually. I wouldn't have thought this was going to be my favorite one, but it was my favorite watch of all of them. Wow. It's got to be like a, cause Cusack is so good in that, right? You oh, buy him as his kid. Good. And he's like, he is electric in every scene. Like there's an energy mm-hmm. about him. that's just incredible. The writing is so sharp. The relationship between, um, what's, um, John, is it John, uh, Mahoney who played Frazier's dad? Yeah. Uh, he's great. Ein Sky is really engaging a different kind of female character and, and her mm. journey. And almost it becomes her movie after a while, which was really, really interesting. Um, but there's all these funny asides too with it, the friends. And I, I just thought it was the best directed of, of all of them. And, and the writing was so sharp. Uh, I, I hadn't seen any of the, that was one I probably hadn't seen in about 15 years. Uh, mm. And it, it blew me away how how good it was, and uh, if if I had an '80s team movie uh, or coming of age movie, it's it would be my number one right now. So you would put that over Breakfast and Fast Times. I put it above Fast Times. What was the other one you just said? Uh, Breakfast Club. Oh, 100 percent. Breakfast Club would now oh. drop. I my. love John Cusack. Like he's one of my favorite actors, and I, I would not put that anywhere near those ones. But uh, huh, maybe I need to revisit that one. Yeah, I was thinking it, that. We left it for later. Like I was more excited to rewatch the other ones. Um, just I, it'd been a little bit longer too. Probably about the same for the Breakfast Club. But yeah, I, I was I was blown away at how by the end I was like vibrating. I loved it so much. Hmm. Awesome. Interesting. Now the other ones did that. Like was it the Peter Gabriel that did it to you? <laughs> you well, you remember like that? It's actually. I kept thinking, oh, this is going to be so cheese because it's been um, the boombox. Is it is- this hold up or is it like, is it, is it cheese deck? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 well, the other thing you, you realize, he puts a boombox and he doesn't get her back. Like it doesn't work. Ah. Other things work, but that, that's not the, the, uh, the catalyst. So well, that movie kind of started. Well, I don't know if it was it that movie or was it uh, um, Better Off Dead, but he had a whole run of like really good teen teen movies too, which I have most of those as well. 
Yeah, and he's he's in Sixteen Candles as a bit part. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in Fast Times as well, isn't he? Or no, isn't he working at I the? Uh, I don't think he's in Fast Times. Okay, is I know Nick Cage is, but isn't he friends with the dude who owns like the the uh, ticket scalper? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. No, that but he's, he's just, just that movie. he's just another dude. Uh, yeah, he's not he, he's not in Fast Times. Well, well right. going back to, uh, I guess, going back to Porky's way in the beginning here, what, what would you guys give that? To, what was your guys' ratings on Porky's? Well, that's a hard one to rate, man. We do need it out of uh, the, the usual 10. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's probably four. Oh, man. I might, I might go like seven because I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm going to, I'm going to go seven and a half. I, uh, yeah. it's just shy again. Like, there's better teen romp sex. I, I consider this different than a teen romp. This is more of like a sex romp where it's yeah, it's more about the the sex and the nudity and getting laid and losing their virginity and the and whatnot. What's the girl's name? Teen romp. Cherry. Like, I mean, what is it? La- well, the one girl's Lassie, Kim Cattrall, because she no no. Like who that. was the, the prostitute? Name was like like Cherry Forever or something like that. Well, something like that. Yeah, that sounds like something yeah. one of our friends uh, paid for one time. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I just think again, like it's, I don't look at it as a coming of age. It's not trying to like teach you anything. It's just, uh, and again, like well, that's, it, does, it does teach you something like teaches you like, you know what, that kid in your class is just the same as you, man. He's going to be your buddy one day. I almost wonder if that's up, if you lost it, if it would have been better. I don't know, man. I, I thought I kind of dug about it. Could I was with you. Okay, I just think it's done better in other films. Yeah, I get it. Like it was almost like like a slot machine that keeps breaking down. Like it had yeah. that, it had hurt, it had the like, camaraderie. Like the guys were busting around. It had like some titties. Like it was a great movie for me. Yeah, the thing I liked the most was that everybody hung out together in it, mm-hmm. which felt a, a little bit unique in a lot of ways. Yeah, I liked I liked all the the characters, and and I didn't think I would, um, especially like again the first time you see them is like throwing around the n word like nothing yeah. so i i was surprised that i end up enjoying you know i like how they keep on what's the guy uh that they Meech? they throw the, the condoms at no that he's the guy the big guy with oh, oh, I, I, I thought all that stuff with him was kind of fun how they're always you know giving him shit and i don't know the ending of that movie though without spoiling too much is, is so fucking wrong like i'm pretty sure yeah. the one the girl that he gets as his reward is like one of the other guy's girlfriends but um uh, i guess the sequel they, they clear that up in the sequel though don't they I don't know. They're, they're, I know I have the other. Uh, th- I think they did two or three other sequels. I haven't got to those yet. I don't remember them being as, as strong. But uh, I'm going to quickly run through. I had another couple teen because we don't want to spend this whole yeah. episode talking I teen romps. Um, but I also I followed up with a uh, Hot Dog the Movie from 1984. Have you? I, I don't, <laughs> assuming hasn't seen this. Have you seen Hot Dog the Movie, Maddie? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I was so surprised how entertaining this was. You have like the uh, the dickish uh, German. Uh, villain it's a bunch of teens on a a ski a ski mm. resort and um what's his name from um american Moreover from london um oh yeah but the lead in that is in this and he's so good and i you you have a you have an asian guy in there which uh you know this is the same time as uh long duck, long duck dong. Dong? so i was like oh no how are they going to treat this guy but like surprisingly in a film called hot dog the movie it, it, he was actually kind of treated with respect for an eighties film. And I thought it was like good where there's all the friends, like all the guys really got along and there was a good camaraderie and everyone kind of stood out on their own. Everyone had kind of their own 
thing memorable Character. thing about them. So I, I don't know, I really dug it. The best part about it is it ends with something called the Chinese downhill, which is, uh, it's like this Mad Max style race down the hill and like anything goes. So some guys have like these helmets and rocket launchers and all these and weapons and everything. And it's, it's, it's insane. It's amazing. I, I totally dug this. I mean, again, it's an eighties romp. So yes, there's some stuff where like a woman gets knocked out and a guy's like, Ooh, that's my kind of girl. Um, so you got to be able to look past that. But, and thankfully in this one, um, you know, his friends stop him. Whereas I think in one of the John Hughes films, doesn't that happen? And they're okay with it or something. It's a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's not so good. But and this one was also has is famous because it has um uh, Gene, what's his name Gene Simmons, uh, Playboy wife, in it. Oh, you know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, what, you know who I'm talking about, though, right? So I this, assume this, she's like married to Gene Simmons. <laughs> I, I don't know if she uh, he was around uh, during the time, but uh, I, I guess th- this was famous because even for its time, the nudity in it was like more than all the other movies, like. It's not softcore porn or anything, but it's it's pretty. Uh, Shannon, Tweed. yeah, Shannon Tweed's who I'm talking about, and David Naughton's a guy from American Werewolf in London. But yeah, if you, if you want like just a fun, fun teen romp, this, this is the one to go to. Like, I, I'm going to give it seven and a half. I almost was going to go eight. I would probably put wow. this maybe over Porky's actually. And the, oh, yeah? the villain is like this German guy, and he's so stereotype evil guy the the woman's name is um uh the one guy's girlfriend is sunny and he whatever he cheats on her i'm spoiling it but she ends up uh ending up in the room with him and he kind of takes advantage of her and he's like guess what i had for breakfast sunny side up sunny side down <laughs> and sunny side all around <laughs> so that, that's the kind of film you're getting it was amazing and um synapse uh put out the disc on a uh, blu-ray and it has like an hour making of that was it's really amazing and they go through all that kind of stuff and you know how what it's like to put a film like this together like i guess the producer wanted to make it even more graphic and offensive and the director did yeah there's a conflict and the director got fired in the editing stage and uh, there's a lot of really cool surprisingly ski footage in this too because it is a ski movie and usually these type of films that kind of stuff is done half-assed but i guess the guy that wrote it was like he filmed skiing documentaries so there's some cool stuff in there um, uh, did yeah, you end up watching Ski School as well as this, or no? Yeah, so I followed it up with Ski School from 1990. Now, this, on yeah. the other hand, did not hold up. This was a this Ooh. was a tough watch. Um, it's it's just like it feels like this came out near the end of the whole teen sex romp, and it, you can tell like it's just stale, and everything seems like it. There was nothing like new or fresh about it, and even like the pranks and everything were kind of lame. And and the lead, yeah. it, it started uh, Dean Cameron. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, he was in like summer school and and oh, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had those uh, big eyebrows. So he's yeah. the lead in this, and we're supposed to believe that this is that this he's like the cool ladies' man, which you just cannot <laughs> believe. No, and his his one friend's like this peeping Tom, and he's constantly trying to like Will Sasso in that. Isn't that like one of Will Sasso's first movies? He's in the second one. Oh, okay, yeah, it's. Uh, it, this was bad though. This is one not to watch. Yeah, the, the one guy, his friends like Peeve and Tom, and he's constantly trying to watch this girl and change. And you're supposed to like find it cute, and it's like, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and even the editing of the film was very messy. Like the, the opening five minutes, I'm not even joking, and I'm, I'm not saying like it has to be too deep of, for a teen romp. But I had no clue what was going on. Like they were just cut to like people partying, then some boobs and some neon outfits. I had no clue what was going on half the, the time, and I'm like, this is too confusing for a teen romp for the first. 
five minutes. So I'm going to give that one four and a half out of 10. And last but not least, I uh, ended off my teen romp. I mean, I'm still going to get through some, but uh, losing it from 1983. Any of you guys seen this one? Oh, awesome. That's like Tom Cruise. Yeah, this is early Tom Cruise. I think this is right before Risky Business, I believe. I think this is his first, like he's not, he's kind of a, the star of a supporting cast, but I think it's his first starring role. Uh, Dean Stockwell's the other teen and Jackie Earl Haley's in there. Yeah. Um, and he is crazy ugly in this, like almost unwatchably ugly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, th- this film is a fucking blast. It's about a bunch of teens. They're going to go to Tijuana to get laid. Uh, Tom Cruise is like the, the shy virgin. And uh, so he's going to lose his virginity to a prostitute. Um, the one kid, uh, actually Jackie Earl Haley's younger brother tags along with him cause he needs money. And he says, well, I'll, I'll lend you the, the kid sells like firecrackers and shit on the side. And he says, I'll, I'll give you some money, but you gotta let me come with you. So it's all them going to Tijuana and, uh, and then Shelly Long's actually in there too. She gets, ends up joining their troop along the way. And she's like a yeah. married woman, but she finds out her husband's cheating on her. So she's, everyone's kind of going to Tijuana for their own thing. She's going there just to kind of. Um, I guess it's kind of like a reflection on her life and where she's going to go from here and, and whatnot. Jackie O'Haley is like this sex maniac and he just wants to sleep with tons of women. He's trying to go for the, the, the Spanish fly, which is like this drug, I guess that I don't know if it's <laughs> knock, knock the woman out or make her fall in love with you. But all this, all this comes up and you think it's going to be this really like raunchy film. Oh, and Dr. Dirty. Do you remember Dr. Dirty? He is amazing. <laughs> Apparently he's still doing his thing. He's this uh, musician that plays on the piano, just sings like these kind of crude um, rhymes, I guess, songs. Then and they're amazing. And he's still doing it. Like looked up on YouTube. His big hit was called like "Going to the Bang Gang Bang." Yeah, are you going to the gang bang? We're all going to the gang bang. (laughs) But it's very like it's very witty, like in in the way he rhymes. But yeah, if you look up on YouTube, he's still doing it. And I totally want to go to one of his shows. What was the joke? Knock knock. Who's there? Eisenhower. Eisenhower who? Eisenhower late to the gangbang. We're going yeah. going to the gangbang. <laughs> but uh yeah, I was surprised with all that kind of stuff that how like touching it was. This is kind of more closer to a fast times than a porkies because they kinda like like Jackie O'Haley, he's a creep and he gets in trouble because of his creepy ways. Tom Cruise, you know, can't go through with it and he's looking for love. Shelly Long, you know, reflects on her husband, where she's going to go in life. And then Dean, or not Dean Stockwell, but um, uh, what the fuck's his name? I was going to say, Dean Stockwell is not, couldn't be a teen in this. He would no, probably it's John Stockwell, who's the rebellious guy who's getting in trouble. You find out that maybe he has a troubled life. So they kind of comment on all that. And even there was like this deep scene uh, where they're in Mexico. And this, the one of the, um, the, the guys that lives there comments on like how, you know, Mexico is this terrible place, but Americans have pretty much made it this way because they're the ones that come and, and demand all this sleazy stuff. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was kind of like an interesting comment on, in, you know, a little 80s teen romp film. So, yeah, I, I really, really dug this one, not just because my boy Tom Cruise was in it. There's also, I don't know if this was the first, this was apparently a thing in the 80s because uh, they do it in Bachelor Party as well, but the one guy's going to a, a donkey show which I'm sure you oh, guys know. I don't think they ever, they definitely don't show anything in this one. I don't know if, how far they go on bachelor party, but I remember that being kind of a, a plot line in a lot of eighties romp films, but this uh, was directed by Curtis Hanson. Yeah. Who, what else did he do? LA confidential. Oh, wow. Uh, wonder boys, um, eight mile. 
Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I don't want to overhype it, but I mean, this might be one, like, I, I would say, you know, hot dogs might not be for you, Adam, and, and, and ski school and stuff, but this is one that it's kind of like that middle ground. Like, to me, it's it had it, it was better than Porky's for the, you know, the, the romps and the message and whatnot. So I, I'm going to give this one 8 out of uh, 10. It's it's the favorite of the romps I've watched so far. I still have, like, a bunch I want to get through that I've picked up recently on Blu-ray or, like, Spring Break and Hard Bodies 1 and 2 and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, this is the highlight. Uh, what else did you – that's it for my teen romps. What else did you gonna say, I, Am I supposed to be giving scores to all these things I uh, watched? Uh, yeah, you, you should. I don't know. I Why not, right? Okay, I'll go from uh, – so, I, yeah, Porky's, I'm giving it a 4 to 10. Uh, Pretty in Pink, I'm going to give 5. Uh, oh. 16 Candles, I'm going to give 6. Breakfast Club, I'm going to give 7.5. Fast Times, I'm going to give 8. Heathers, I'm also going to give 8. And then Say Anything, I'm going to give a 9. Wow. Oh. I, I, I'm going to have to throw in Heathers and uh, Say Anything because yeah. that surprises me. But uh, yeah, what else did you guys watch? Have you guys seen the Thomas Crown Affair, the one with uh, uh, who's James Bond? Pierce Brosnan. And, yeah, Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo. Yeah, the remake. I, I, what did you think? I thought it was terrible. Oh wow! I couldn't get over Rene Russo like oozing sexuality, but like she wasn't. Did I you think notice she's this? A older woman, like she, she, okay, she was, but like she was like putting it on like ham fistedly. It's just so distracting. Like everything she did, she did with like that like sexual flair. It's like okay, I don't need you to dip your uh, coffee on the ground with sexuality. <laughs> I remember being in in elementary school, like grade eight, and then yeah. someone from our class came back and it, it was like, "Oh, what'd you do on the weekend?" This girl had watched the Thomas Crown Affair with her parents and was just like, "We're named." movie <laughs> and i don't i don't think i've ever actually seen it um but that's all i remember about that movie i actually yeah. watched i remember that being a big deal and when i was in uh yeah uh, elementary school i guess it would have been as well and everyone's like you we got to see old boobs um but it, it, and again, uh, it, she was so terrible at it like after like it was so distracting i disagree i actually watched the original and the uh the remake um not that long ago like maybe six months ago i love both of them like i thought they were both I, I guess think I the problem like was cool. I like the high aspect of it, but like just like her, like, well, what if I do this with my glasses? It's like uh, annoying. Oh, okay, fair enough. I mean, maybe you just have something against women, but uh, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> <laughs> I have something. You know, listen, something against old women. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's this old woman with this old bat thinking yeah, she can be attractive for? <laughs> Get out of here. Once you're past thirty, get out of Hollywood. <laughs> Sadly, this is the, you're not the the only one that feels that way. That's all these female actresses. No, I, again, I'm not, I'm not thinking, like judging on her looks. I'm just judging how terribly she acted in this one, and it was so distracting. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm giving it a five. Like otherwise, I think it would be like a good movie. But you guys are no. killing me. You guys have taken all movies I loved and breaking my <laughs> you rating. Loved the Thomas kind of fair? I loved it. I think I gave it seven and a half. Really? Like, so shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. Like, that's the, one of the most shocked. That was like when Maddie was four, and then that was a similar <laughs> reaction. Just opposite people. <laughs> Adam, what did you watch? 
so I'll just I'll just talk about uh, I'll, I'll get into good stuff uh, later, but I'm going to just talk about stuff that I was kind of disappointed in. Um, uh, I I finally saw La La Land, which I'd been wanting to see for years now, and um, I really like that, and I hate musicals. Uh, yeah, I I I thought it was incredibly disappointing. Um, I the opening scene where they're dancing on all the cars and I, I, I like musicals sometimes. Like I'm, I'm not a massive musical guy, but you know, one of my favorite movies is a musical and yet that opening just set the tone for me of like, Oh, this is like some fucking rich yuppie director that decides him and his friends can make a musical. Um, uh, and I love Ryan Gosling and Emma stone and almost everything they're in. Um, they're not good in this. Oh man, you guys are punking me right now. You guys are taking all films <laughs> I love. <laughs> yeah, I like I I they just they're not singing singers or dancers. Um so it's still a musical. It's a beautiful looking film though. Nah, like I I think it's it's very digital looking. Um there are elements that I liked in that you know, I I've I thought about this when I first saw it, I I that and I, I think the ending is quite a, effective, even though it's it's basically stolen from the umbrellas of Cherbourg. But the more I've thought about, it, the more these holes have just like crept in and 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 kind of I, I don't think I, I don't think I'd ever go back and watch it again. Um, most of the music I feel like is just somebody making up music as they go along. It doesn't. Feel I, I liked. I don't remember. I liked the music. Like I agree that they're. You can tell they're obviously not singers and dancers full they're time looking at their feet when they're dancing but i i like the music and stuff and i like the jazzy kind of fun fun tunes i don't know the main theme is quite good this city of stars or whatever i think is a you know a good piece but for the most part i thought the music was the worst part about it when it wasn't a musical i actually thought oh this is this is a much better movie and so yeah that was my first disappointment during this period and then my next one was Vice. When you found out Maddie was doing the show tonight? <laughs> That's the last one, Kyle. Uh, uh, no, it was um, Vice. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't heard too much good about that one. It's, other than Christian Bale. Even him. He, like, he's, he's doing a pretty good mimicking job, but it's not as uh, of the same level that he usually brings to, to different movies. And you know, he commits unbelievably, like, as usual. He gained crazy amounts of weight. That's the same director as the uh, Big Short? Is yeah, it? and I like the Big Short. I, I defend the Big Short uh, because Who it... Who did it, that? Todd Phillips? Uh, no, it's uh, Adam McKay. Adam McKay, yeah. But this one, like, all of the kind of more jokey aspects, I just, I really just found so forced. And there's no real story to follow with Chaney that's interesting so yeah that that was Is a that Lon Chaney Lon Chaney <laughs> I'd much rather seen a Lon Chaney biopic so I'm gonna give that one four and a half and I'll give wow. uh, we're doing this at a 10 not five right you guys are aware <laughs> 10 uh yeah these are low scores like again I'm gonna go to the the better ones soon um or the ones that excited me and then La La Land's probably a six Wow. I'm going to jump in with two horror here for the horror fans. Um, 
leading up to, uh, as we mentioned, the big 75th episode, I uh, watched two movies and then found out shortly after that they do not count. Um, <laughs> I'm an idiot. Or I look- them. Um, so the first one uh, is Pontypool. Um, now this okay. one is kind of debatable. It's it, it was it's a 2008 film, but I think in the yeah, states, it didn't, they didn't get it. Uh, yeah, they didn't get it till 2010. So I guess if you're an American, you can count it in your uh, best of the decade list. But I'm not going to count it because we are in Canada. But I was totally blown away by this film. Uh, it's pretty much uh, like. I guess there's more than there's more than one guy, but it's one guy. And then, you know, a a small group of people, they're in a radio station doing a show when a zombie outbreak happens. And it's just, I don't know. It's just so well done. that it's just this guy talking through all this craziness happening. And it's like, he's getting calls from people outside of what they're seeing and whatnot. I was just totally blown away by it. Uh, Stephen McCaddy is the, um, is the lead in in the movie. Uh, He was great. And it, it, the way that the virus spreads, um, it's kind of silly, but also it's so unique. It's orally, that, right? Through your ear? Sorry? It's orally, like through your ears, they can hear it? Something like that. Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much because I think, you know, that as you watch it, a lot of it's fun as yeah, it this is. This is on my Shocktober list, though. Don't give too much away. Yeah, uh, but definitely, definitely watch it. Like, I want to run out and purchase this movie on Blu-ray. Um, and it also kind of got me into, uh, you know, watching some uh, radio flicks, which I'll, I'll talk about another one later on. But uh, a lot of these movies where it's just, you know, a small group of people and they're stuck in a, you know, doing a radio show for one night or two nights or whatever. I, I think a lot of them really work. But, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend this one. I, do, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to spoil too much. But I'm going to give that one eight out of ten. Oh, wow. Uh, watch yeah, that. That's pretty high. Yeah, if this if this was allowed on our list i can guarantee it would have been top 10 get uh, out of here yeah um for me again again i'm not saying it you know it's gonna have the same effect Adam, on you, you said it was gonna be 61 on yours right so you found out that it wasn't well it might have been up there yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't remember enjoying this movie as much i remember oh. it kind of being a bit silly like near the okay. end it kind of got a bit too uh, uh hokey for me okay hmm. i don't yeah i don't remember that like it's it, it it it's mostly is a talky film as opposed to yeah. you know I didn't mind that but there was like uh, it, near the last like twenty minutes to like twenty five minutes I thought it was stupid but again there's, I got to watch it again I think there's nothing worse than a bunch of dudes just talking <laughs> uh, so I, I followed up that movie with uh, one other horror film that again I don't know if I read it wrong or amazon prime or something had the wrong date i don't know but uh the fourth kind from 2009 oh, have I, you guys I seen the movie yeah it's like the uh documentary full, versus yeah, full documentary movie. yeah it's got mila johonovic jo- jo- and elias cote cody i can't pronounce names elias cote cotez yeah i like him do you guys know who mm-hmm. i'm talking about yeah, yeah, uh, Casey he, Jones from the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, and he's fallen. Uh, Elias, it's weird. I, I could say his name earlier. Now I can't say it. Um, but uh, anyway, he's in it. I always enjoy him. He's always fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's a full documentary. It's. I remember like they do a pretty good job. I remember at times kind of looking up thinking like, is this real? Um, unfortunately, though, the actress that plays Johanovich's character in the real documentary footage, like just yeah. the way she it, it, she kind of shows you that this is probably fake right away. Her acting yeah. is not uh, not great, but um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it's a pretty good 
uh, well done um, alien abduction film. Uh, it was interesting again, as hell. Like, it was an interesting way to make a movie, I thought. Yes, I mean, some of it maybe didn't work with all the cuts and cutting in between the two, but some of it I thought did. Some of it was pretty terrifying and, and effective and tense. And, uh, there, mm. you know, there's a great scene, the shootout scene at the house where yes. the guy's crazy and he's got his family at gunpoint. There, there was some stuff that was just really, really creepy. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big alien uh, yeah. movie fan. One, one done right. I mean, most of them aren't, but... Um, <laughs> Fire in the Sky is, you know, of course, fantastic. I have another one that I'm going to watch, but I don't want to talk about it because uh, I, it could possibly make my list. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed it for the most part. Again, it's not a perfect film. There's some hokey stuff in their acting and whatnot, but I would give it 7 out of 10. Have you seen this one, Adam? No, I haven't. Okay. I, th- I feel like, was it Dan that maybe really loved it? I think Dan liked it. Yeah, I know he's all about he, those. He's an uh, alien you know. guy. He loves aliens, too. Yeah. I feel less confident in the movie now. <laughs> What's that? He's in the footage and whatnot. So, I I said I feel less confident uh, in the movie now. <laughs> um, I'm drinking some beer that Dan served me the other day. So, actually, he uh, made me watch a movie last night called "I Stepped on a Landmine." And I got like halfway through. I'm like, ah, am I going <laughs> to finish this or just not? So, what, what are you giving? I step or, or I guess what are you giving the fourth kind, Kyle? I gave it a seven out of 10. I think it's uh, it's pretty well done. I have some issues with it. It probably would not have made my list if it could have been included, but I, I, I dug it. So it wouldn't have been one? No, probably not. Oh, damn. Um, what else did you guys watch? Chatty? When's the last time you guys watched Tombstone? Years ago. It's been a couple of years, but I fucking love that movie. I remember loving this movie. All the actors should be great. Like It has uh, Bill Paxton. It has Kurt Russell. All the action scenes are great, but there are some scenes where they just go so slow and ham-fisted in a weird way. If you fucking not, if you give a bad rating in this movie, Maddie, I'm walking out. <laughs> I can't give a bad rating, but like it's not as great as I remember it being. So I was really going into this thing. This movie's going to be like ten out of ten. I love Doc Holliday. I, Val Kilmer destroys this movie, but there are just some like editing choices. That I'm like. Oh, I don't know, man. They could have done that a bit better. Now, did you watch a theatrical cut or a director's cut? A director's cut. Okay. I, yeah, uh, so. I remember watching this in Unforgiven around the same time because these were like yep. what I considered, you know, the absolute pinnacle uh, of Westerns, of modern Westerns, or like just any Westerns. And this, I had a similar feeling about this where like just something. While I still really enjoyed it, it wasn't as good. It was kind of cheesy sometimes. Like, yeah. With, the editing is like a little, like, really 90s. Yes. Uh, but, like, Kurt Russell's fucking awesome in it. Val Kilmer is incredible. Amazing. Even Bill uh, Paxson is great in this. Well, Paxson. Michael Bean is the villain is awesome, too. Yeah, he's a great villain. Uh, uh, yeah, this, this is, like, top 100 of all time for me. Have you watched oh, yeah? I've seen it not too long ago. I, when I went through a bunch of westerns, like uh, you know, maybe two years ago or something, I think. Okay. Yeah, I I, I had a similar experience to Maddie maybe ten years ago. I actually enjoy it more than Unforgiven because I think it's the more entertaining film, not necessarily Ooh, the uh, better made yeah. film. But. Unforgiven is the best western ever made. Yeah, <laughs> but Unforgiven is not that like 
it's like a, it's like a bleak, depressing western. It's like a more real western. It's not like fun. <laughs> yeah, there's no hammy, over the top act. Like they're very different movies. Like to me, there's there's the the fun there's the fun westerns where you got like Young Guns one and two. You got Tombstone. These are not- got, actually I got one that actually uh, Quick and the Dead maybe for Quick anybody. And the dead. <laughs> I watched that right after this one. And then you have like the Sergio Leone westerns and and the Clint Eastwood and then and the Unforgiven. I think they're all kind of different. Yeah, like for me, the western like it's it's John Ford, and then you kind of branch out from there. Um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of the old ones. I'm more of a spaghetti western guy, but I mean, I need to check out some of the older Ford ones for sure. Um, so, what would you give Tombstone, Maddie? I, I still got to give it seven and a half. Like, I really dug it, but there was just something off about it. There's so definitely some cheese. Like, I always remember this scene. I always found so cheesy, where it's like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> Kurt Russell. But again, yeah, I don't know. I can let that stuff pass because to me it's just so entertaining like i love that whole cast every yeah charlton heston's in it jason Priestley. it's it's powers booth yeah Yeah, it's it's really a directing problem throughout the whole thing i would say (laughs) well do you guys know the whole history of that one right no no the director uh it's it's actually uh um george p cosmodos which if you recognize that last name he's the father of the guy that directed mandy Oh, interesting. Um, But apparently he, I don't know, there's something on set and he got fired. uh, And apparently Kurt Russell took over the directing unofficially. Like, I think the other guy still gets the credit, but everyone that was part of the the production says Kurt Russell directed most of that film. That kind of makes sense in a way. Like, there's a bunch of Kurt Russell shots in that, like when he's in the the river or whatever at the end. It, and like it seems so gratuitous how they're shooting like filming him in that scene i remember just being like taken out of the movie thinking oh well this is like all the kind of pathos that you just had with him and doc holiday in a couple scenes before it's gone mm-hmm. very jarring how, how some stuff and it's it still it was like a super entertaining movie you've got all these actors kind of at the top of their game and it's memorable as anything too right yeah. Cool. It When's feels the like last time you guys watched The Quick and the Dead? Uh, I think again a couple of years ago. I, I probably haven't it, seen it in the 90s. I had a ton of fun with this. This was just like a fun, like a flashy movie about gunslingers. Yeah. It's pure, pure cheese, but it's fun. Yeah. I had a blast. Like, and even like the uh, actors, like there was a lot of like over the top, like uh, genre actors kind of making their appearance in that, which is kind of awesome. Oh yeah, well, that, and that's one of um, Russell Crowe's early films, I believe, early American films, at least. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That was before and he was in. Leonardo it. DiCaprio killed it. Uh, Lance Hedrickson is amazing in it. Like Ernie Hudson was so good. Yeah, yeah, it's got a it's got a whole cast of. Uh... Hmm. It's just Tom Atkinson or no? Uh, I don't think so. No. no. I don't think so. But uh, watching The Quick and Dead led me down the uh, Sam Raimi two pole, and I actually ended up watching Spider Man one and two as well. Okay, now how do those hold up? Those I I, My I, I dug these movies. I thought they were kind of cool. They looked great. Like I liked the uh, villains in them. I liked the uh, relationship between him and his friends and his uh, uh, enemies too. So the CGI, some of the CGI is atrocious. That was when like they yeah, were just beautiful you, CGI characters. You have to uh, forgive it a little bit because it was like what two thousand and one. Yeah, I think. the Green Goblin suit I fucking hate too. 
Yeah. The video game ending of number two. It looks like a video game, that whole end. Yeah. Yeah, it is a bit. The ending on that one was a bit rough. I remember loving part two. I mean, I haven't seen them in a while because I'm afraid to watch Go them. Back. But I, I, I would probably put those still as the best Spider-Man films. I mean. I, I think so, too. They have the heart there. And I think uh, Toby Wire did a great job actually playing Spider-Man. Like, you actually uh, feel him as a character. I think, like, I, Tom yeah. Holland may be my favorite Spider-Man but I think like the movies themselves are not like, I don't know the, the the Marvel universe Spider-Man films are not my Spider-Man. There's no, like with great power comes great responsibility. Like uncle Ben doesn't play in a part in it. It's all about like his relationship with Tony Stark. And like, is that I the always, guy, uncle Ben? Sorry. Uncle Ben. He's the rice guy. He sells rice. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I didn't like, I grew up Spider-Man for me was like, you know, you could relate to him because he was a teenager that he was struggling with, acne and and picking up girls and and getting a job and doing schoolwork and then on top of it he had to fight a you know a bad guy and he was always missing out on his dates and work and school even though mm-hmm. you know he was you know the smart kid and, and not, you don't get any of that really well, in the, the acting thing. what's that stuff that uh, all those celebrities uh hawk on uh, you know on the infomercials botox no one has acne acne cream anymore they got that proactive 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 is right Proactive has ruined Spider-Man for uh, kids these days, but um, yeah, I don't know. I find the new, the newer films, it's like he has all this technology and everything, and he, you never feel like he's ever in much trouble, and you don't have to worry about him being, you know, finding out people finding out his his identity as much as the uh, the old ones. Into the Spider Verse, mm. best Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, that's fun. I, I Again, like that one a lot. I don't know if I put that as my Spider-Man either, though. That's kind of like a new modern take on the the character, but it's good. It is really good too. I, I've been kind of curious because I hated the Spider-Man so much when they came out, but I, I, I've never rewatched them. Oh, so, you didn't even like part two? No. Oh, no. part two is one is one of my favorite comic book films of all time. Again, I haven't revisited yeah. Like Doc Octopus is one of the best. I, I remember loving Alfred Molina, but I remember thinking, oh, I'm watching a video game for the, that last whole section. Um, and whenever this came out and thinking it looked terrible then, I can only imagine now. Maddie, what are you giving the uh, the Spider-Man? is a bit rough. Uh, number one, I'm giving a 7.5. Number two, I'm giving 8. Yeah, 8. That's what I'm thinking. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I went down um, the disaster film path. Oh, shit. I've been, I've been picking up a lot of these 70s disaster films, just haven't got to them. I still need to grab Earthquake because that's the big one that I'm dying to see. But I decided to start off. I have like all the classics like Towering Inferno and Poseidon Adventure and all that. And I decided to start off with Avalanche from 1978, <laughs> which going, if you read most reviews, people will say how awful it is. That's the worst um, one, right? Roger Corman, I guess, saw the success of all these films and thought, I could do that. <laughs> so he hired a bunch of uh, kind of has-been actors. Uh, you got Rock Hudson in there, Mia Farrell's in there, Robert Forster. Oh, wow. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I, I mean, again, I guess if you're expecting something really serious and I just, I had a blast with it. It's kind of film where, you know, there's a blizzard and they're throwing styrofoam chunks at people and you can totally see them like hitting them and not doing any damage or blowing across in the wind. Um, I just had fun with it. I mean, there's nothing to it. It's your standard disaster flick. Um, Rock Hudson's kind of this dickish businessman who's opening up this uh, ski resort his, he invites his uh, ex-wife there um, for support, but he's kind of a dick to her, but he still loves her. Um, and then Robert Forster's kind of the guy to add the love triangle in there. And he's like a f- 
photographer. He's the one that warns them that they're building too much and removing all these trees and it's going to cause trouble. And of course it does, but it's one of those films and something I've noticed from the couple that I've watched. It's like these films do not become attached to any characters. Cause back then they were not afraid to kill off like 70, 80% of the cast, which I thought was kind of, um, I don't know. It was I kind of uh, actually. exciting. But I don't know, I just had fun with it. All the characters, all the side characters were kind of like stupid and fun. And uh, yeah, if you're not expecting much, uh, I don't know, I had a blast with it. And people are complaining that it feels like a 70s TV film. And I totally take that as a compliment. I mean, I love those 70s TV films are kind of my comfort food where, you know, they don't have huge budgets and it's more about the eccentric characters and whatnot. And this film had tons of that. So I'm going to give Avalanche uh, 7 out of 10. Um, again, if you just Avalanche. want, like, it's a movie you could watch with some friends and beers and have fun with it. It's just a big, dumb, fun, stupid movie. Kyle, that's not allowed. So <laughs> you Yeah, you have, you have to wait. Maybe in a year, maybe next uh, winter you can watch it. And I followed it up. Uh, a friend saw that I watched it, and he recommended, you got to watch Poseidon Adventure from 1972, which I had on Blu-ray, meaning to watch it. So I threw that one in. And uh, same thing. I, I had fun with it. This is, of course, the one where a big, a giant uh, tsunami turns, flips the boat over, and they got to get to the top of the boat before it fully is submerged in water. Um, Gene Hackman's in there. It's kind of this new age preacher. He's, you know, he has a totally different way of thinking about things. He's all about help yourself. Don't expect God to do everything for you. And uh, so him and a group of survivors uh, try to get to the top. And uh, yeah, I just had fun with it. Leslie Nielsen's got a bit part in there. Um, Roddy McDowell in there. Sorry? Is he crazy? Like in, uh, what was that, the uh, Day of the Animals? He's a serious role in this one. Uh, Ernest uh, Borgnine was in there. He's kind of like the super angry guy that's always, you know, adding drama. He's got this sultry wife who used to be uh, either a, a prostitute or a stripper. And she kind of keeps them in line. Uh, the star of it, though, was Shelley Winters. Or you got, I don't know too much about her, but she was super fun in this. As like, her in something else, didn't you? Sorry? You just watched her in something else just before we got on a call. Oh, which who's she in that? We'll talk about it when we get to that. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I, she was super fun in this. I really enjoyed her character. And I, what I was really surprised about, unlike Avalanche, where it's just kind of big and dumb and stupid, when this tsunami happens, like I thought it was really kind of frightening and effective the way they did it because it happens. They're all celebrating New Year's on the uh, on the uh, boat and they're all singing, you know, the the, the New Year's song. Yeah, exactly. When this happens and just the way it's done, I thought it was quite cool. I mean, it's of course it's seventies effects, so when it happens, you got people just, you know, you can tell they just turned the camera and they slid down or whatever, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I thought it was it, it was kind of scary, even though it's a little bit goofy at the same time. But again, another one of those films where like you're gonna love a lot of the characters. Like, I honestly would have been fine if there was no disaster and we were just hanging out with these people on a cruise, and that was, was a movie. New like, Year's yeah. Eve. It was just a light comedy. I would have been fine with that because the characters were all so fun and interesting. But uh, yeah, it's it's again an, another one of those movies where almost all of them die without spoiling too much. So I'm gonna give it. I don't know if I would put it. It's probably better than Avalanche, but I'm going to go seven out of ten on that one as well. Um, awesome. But uh, you watched Tower oh, Inferno yet? I have that next. It's in my stock. So I, I also just picked up uh, one called Blackout, which uh, looks really cool, uh, where a blackout happens and all like shit goes down, crimes and everything. So yeah, I, 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 I have I've had like ten of these and I just haven't got to them. So. 
Towering Inferno kind of scared me because I think it's like three hours in length or something crazy. Oh, is it actually? I don't remember that. Yeah, it's, it's a long one. So that one I've kind of been like, eh, I don't know if I want to start this at 10 o'clock at night. But uh, what else do you guys got? So where where should I go? Where should I, I spin this wheel? Um, maybe I'll, I'll talk about some of these 70 movies that I watched that were kind of fun. The first one I watched was Murder on the Ori- Orient Express, the, the famous Agatha Christie uh, oh. adaptation by Sidney Lumet. Um, it was a lo- lot of fun. Like the cast is great. It's got Albert Finney, is Perot, Lauren Bacall, Ingrid Bergman, Jacqueline Bissett, Sean Connery, John uh, Gilgood, like Anthony Perkins. Like it's it's loaded. Richard Whit- Widmark is one of my favorite character actors. And it's just a lot of fun. Like there are issues with it. You know, it gets a little bit stage play sometimes and and a little bit disjointed, but I, I liked it a lot. I'd probably give that one a seven and a half, seven, seven and a half, somewhere in the middle there. <laughs> when the the recent adaptation that came out, I wanted to pick that one up, but I was hoping it would get a Blu-ray and it's still just on DVD. So I just know as soon as I buy it on DVD, it's going to get a Blu-ray. Blu-ray. But that's what I want to see because I'm a big guy. I get the Christie mystery guy. This is one that I actually would recommend more. Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford. Have you seen this one? No, I actually, I, I saw your review. And again, after reading that, I was like, I want to see this movie. And I looked and I, I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. It looks, I feel it's like movie. you would love this movie. Yeah, I, I enjoy these kind of thriller. Um, thriller and it's kind of wrong, man, a, a little bit. It's got like definitely got, you know, Hitchcockian elements. Uh, I think my review said it was like, a combination, something like, you know, the bridge between Hitchcock and the the new Mission Impossible series. Um, it would be better, except that the, the love story that's like just thrown in there to, because they have Faye Dunaway and Robert Redford in the same movie is super gross and icky. Um, and was, a, you know, fairly major mistake in the movie. If not, it, it probably, and it takes up enough time that, it, it kind of derails things. They just didn't figure out how to make that work. But the actual thriller aspects are awesome. Um, I, I highly, highly recommend it. It's Robert Redford, you know, his, his peak as, as a movie star. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to pick it up. I'm just trying to find out that right price. So but, I would probably give it still eight, even with the issues. Nice. I watched some documentaries. I'm not going to, I'm going to talk race really through these, but um Rewind this from 2013. It's pretty much a documentary. I, I don't know. I, I get a. I like watching things like this. I'm weird like that. But it's pretty much about um, VHS. It, it focuses on the rise and fall of the home media format. You know, goes over the blockbuster taking over from all the little mom and pa shops, and you know, eventually how Netflix took over them. Uh, it, it's filled with. It has all these cool 80s VHS commercials and stuff and clips, which was fun for nostalgia's sake. Is that the one I chose, like, the guy's, like, video store? No, so there, there's two different ones. So I did watch both. Uh, so I watched that one. I'm going to give it six and a half out of ten. It's one of those things, I mean, I could see if you're not into that kid. Like, I'm a guy that likes just staring at a, a collection of movies and seeing covers and everything. If that's not your mm-hmm. thing, probably not for you. I'm going to give it six and a half out of ten. Um, but then I followed it up with Adjust Your Tracking, the Untold Story, of the VHS Collector from 2013. The, yeah, these both came out the same year. Um, this documentary is more focusing on less on the history of VHS and its fall and more on pretty much the collecting aspect of it now. And it's more of like nerds and shit like that 
going over their collections and why they love VHS and the artwork and the big box tapes and hard to find titles. And you have them at flea market, stuff like that. Like, again, this is even less so like if the other one, the other one at least kind of works as a doc, this is more like total fandom documentary. But again, I, I had fun with it. I can't give it like, I'm going to give it six out of 10. I think my rating on letterbox was even lower than that because again, as a film, it, it's not really much to it, but I, I'm the kind of person that watches YouTube videos of people showing off their collections. So I'm <laughs> weird like that. Um, and it has like seven hours of extras of like all that kind of stuff. So, you know, just weird nerd guys just getting. I, so I, watching the couple, I watched this one a couple years back and I watched the other one actually a couple of weeks ago, probably during the okay. whole COVID thing. And this one, like they spent like, what was it? Like $2,000 on like quad video of the dead or something like that. Yeah. I actually, I own the DVD of that uh, because of this. Uh, I'm like, I got to see this. It's an anthology uh, and it's, it's really terrible. Um, it's a shot, <laughs> shot on video anthology, Tales of the Quay Dead Zone or something. Okay. Yeah. That, that movie gained such a following because it was so hard to find. Yeah. People paid like 500 bucks or something for it. And then, you know, then they did a screening and a t-shirts and it's become this cult phenomenon. He's the same guy that did the um, black devil doll or something. And it's like this black doll killing and raping people or something. Sounds wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, again, I, I get a kick out of these, but for the, you know, most people are not, they're not going to be for them. Uh, same thing with the, the, all these docs are kind of like that. I watched Witch's Dungeon, 40 Years of Chills in 2006. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Maddie, but when we went to uh, Fan Expo. It was like the museum. Yeah, so these guys run this museum. It's this famous museum where they have all like, it's kind of like a wax museum of all famous horror characters. And it's just been around for, for so long. And they have all these actors and directors that, you know, go in there and they give them money to help support it and every, everything. Like Universal Monsters and all that kind of stuff and memorabilia. And, you know, the original cape from Dracula is there and stuff. And this is kind of about that but it's also a bit of a mess. Like it's, it doesn't really know. They also put out a documentary on the Aurora monster on the model kits. And that one, again, I got a kick out of more because it actually had a focus. Whereas this one is kind of like, let's just celebrate everything. We're going to talk about the witch's dungeon, but we're also going to talk about horror effects. And we're going to have Tom Savini. Then it's talking about universal monsters and hammer films. And it's kind of seemed like it was a love letter to horror films, but at the same time, it didn't really know what it was about. So I'm going to give that one four and a half out of 10. Again, from someone like me, I still enjoyed it. But again, for most, they will not. Um, I watched the 50 best horror movies you've never seen from 2014. I don't know why, but I was curious. Um, This is not, if you've seen a lot of horror films, this is, you're not going to learn anything new. You know, if you know of Black Christmas and Pumpkinhead, Slumber Party Massacre, but it was still kind of entertaining. Was there and any had, gems? Any like uh, weird ones on there? Like uh, I, think so. I think I knew them all. There, there might have been one or two, but I, I can't remember what they were. But Marley was it on there or anything crazy or like a Sallow or no. something like that? Or? I feel like, again, this might be someone – I guess Adam now has upped his game and he knows a lot more. But, I mean, he might be able to watch this and find some that he didn't know about because he's not quite at the horror level that we are at. But, like – I think, you know, it'd be, it'd be a great horror film if someone's like, okay, well, I've seen the Friday 13th and the, the, the Jasons, where do I go from here? This would be a, a great, you know, here's 50 movies you might not know. But there's there's definitely some, you know, hidden films in there are lesser known ones. But I, I found I knew most of them. But it's still kind of fun having, you know, horror actors or directors talk about them. But I'm going to yeah. give that one 5 out of 10. Again, not saying that it's bad, but it, it was entertaining. But it's one of those things I'll never want to watch again. 
And uh, last but not least was Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks from 2019. I meant to talk about this one of the year list. Um, this is a lot of fun. I believe it's on Netflix, at least in Canada. I don't think it's had a DVD or official DVD or Blu-ray release that I could find. But it goes over everything, like how the social issues in China were affecting the movies coming out. And then it goes into like how all these films influence American cinema and breakdancing and parkour. And it talks about all the stuff that the racism and whatnot that Bruce Lee faced the Shaw Brothers films. It's one of those films where you watch it and you come out with like a huge list of a hundred films that you want to see. It talks about how like the, the age of the female fighter where that was a popular thing for so many years. So all the crazy stunts that happened and whatnot. I totally dug this one. I'm going to give that one seven and a half out of 10. That's one I actually want to buy and, and, and rewatch again. Cause uh, it, it was just totally entertaining. Just a lot of great clips and well put together. Well, it's like one of those polished documentaries where it all flows flows nicely and i i don't know maybe it's not you know you're not going to learn that much from it but um i just i had a total blast with it um i i watched a a, like a bunch of documentaries as well and and i almost had a a pretty consistent issue with most of them as it starts to like play out more so the first one i watched was tell me who who i am and it's about basically these two twin brothers and the one who loses his memory um and the story is heartbreaking and compelling but it's ruined by all these talking heads that are so manipulative and and clearly like the directors are forcing the story in one direction and not letting the actual facts dictate what's going on um so like something like that where i think like these guys story is is actually so compelling but as a documentary film it fails them. But isn't uh, every documentary always going to be biased? It's almost impossible to do well, a middle there's term. there's a bias, but like you can see where the bias is directing because everything that just runs off of talking heads, going back to them and getting clearly getting them to explain things. So I'll get to an example of, of where this doesn't happen as much. Um, in the same, there was another one called Struggle, the Life and Lost Art of Sukalski. It's this, this Polish artist who has this really interesting background and he was kind of adopted by all these LA sort of, um, I don't know what the word you'd want to use. It, it kind of like, bags? <laughs> it, it kind of like art, like that was considered like low level art that now we've kind of elevated. Um, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's father is one of these guys um, as well. And, and he's in the movie and, and it's great. And, and this guy's art is incredible looking. And they have all this archival footage, but instead of utilizing that, they use utilize people to just move the narrative along with new talking heads where they're clearly framing it in a way to sensationalize it. And so it's it's like the Netflix effect of how documentaries are being pushed almost in a way. But then we watch The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst. Have you guys seen this? No. Is he related to Fred Durst? Yeah, he's related. <laughs> it's basically about this real estate magnate who is is an eccentric character, and like his family is stupidly rich. They made a movie about him, All Good Things, with Ryan Gosling and Kristen Dunst, which was an okay movie. And then after the movie came out, the actual Robert Durst wants to tell his side of the story. And this is a guy that most people think has killed at least one person, if not multiple people, and gotten away with it. And so you have this person, he's doing the talking head, 
but you have all this behind the scenes action going around and the talking heads that are done, you can tell are just like showing the person's bias and not the director's bias. Mm-hmm. Um, it was phenomenal, phenomenal. One of the best. Now it's a mini series, so it's, I, uh, much longer. It's, but it's only 240 minutes. It's not that much longer than that bad, is it? the towering Inferno. Um, that one is, is it on Netflix or is it like an HBO doc? It's an HBO doc. Yeah. I do love how you watch the difference. <laughs> You're going to see the difference in intelligence between us. Cause you watch these docs and I watch docs about Kung Fu kicks and VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch the last dance as well, which was the, uh, the Michael Jordan miniseries or the Chicago Bulls about their last final. Well, you're a big basketball guy. I've been hearing a lot about that. I just don't know yeah, if I can. I, I don't think it's like it's 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 for someone like me. This is almost like your rewatch it. For someone like me, it's just that wants some basketball in my life right now. Yeah. Even though I knew 99% of the stories, um, I was still entertaining. So did I you ever watch that uh, 30, what is it, 30 on 30 doc or something yeah. like some sports documentary show or something. I've been hearing a lot of things about it. It's supposed to be fantastic or something. A lot of those are great. Like the OJ made in America that is a 30 for 30, a mini series that's similar to the last dance is way better. It's, okay. uh, it's incredible. Like that's, that's one of the best documentaries. Yeah. That's one I've been wanting to see. I've been meaning to watch that again. It's just, yeah, I would highly recommend that over. So I, I'll probably give, tell me who I am. 5.5, uh, the struggle, six or 6.5 and then the jinx is probably 8.5 cool and then oh the last dance is is for me it's probably like 7.5 it's actually probably a 6.5 okay maddie do you uh do you have anything have you guys seen heart eight heart yes it's one of pt anderson's uh yeah one of his first movies oh no i have not also known as sydney but yeah heart eight this, this year Absolutely amazing! It's so absolutely cool. amazing. It has a what's that? A John C. Riley kind of a down on his luck kind of finds an old timey gambler played by um not George C. Scott but the other guy who's always angry, Philip Baker Hall. Yes, Philip Baker Hall, and he kind of takes him under his wing and teaches him how to uh, run the city. And he falls in love with Gwyneth Paltrow, and like the city does him bad a little bit. And uh, Samuel Jackson there trying to get his fingers in the mix somehow. But it is so good, and it's turning, and every character in this is so compelling. How I good love is this Philip Seymour Hoffman cameo in that? He is amazing. Amazing. I, I miss seeing him in movies. My review of that was all hail the three named masters, because yes. everybody in that movie that's awesome has three names. Yeah, you're right, eh? Paul Thomas Philip Baker Hall, John C. Riley, Samuel L. Jackson, Philip Seymour Hoffman, F. William Parker. Well, I, I I didn't think it would be this good, but I I really I got to give it eight point five. Like, wow. it doesn't really go anywhere, but you're compelled to watch it. You instantly see like why Paul Thomas Anderson is arguably one of you know, I, yeah. I someone could make the argument that he's the the best director of the last you know, uh, thirty years, but like why. Yeah he's one of those guys that comes in with such style right away. Um, there's, I don't know if uh, you guys have seen this, but there's this one scene where he's talking about why he doesn't use matches. 
and there's a flashback to why he doesn't, and it makes no sense, but is so slick. Yeah, it's so that slick. Flashback. Hmm. So I need to catch up yeah. my uh, PTA. I actually have the master on my uh, watch pile. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've been hearing good things about that one. Um, well, I, I'm going to go on a completely different route, of course. I watched Rapid Fire from 1992. <laughs> this is uh, Brandon Lee's uh, yeah. first starring role. Uh, I guess he did this before The Crow. I think he did some other movies before like Showdown Little Tokyo, but I think this was the first, like, he's the headliner. Um, I was not sure what to think about this, but, man, did I have so much fun with this. It's so sad that we never got to see where this guy could have went because I think the crow kind of showed his acting chops. This one not as much, but this one shows like just how charismatic he was, and he was he was fantastic. I mean, he's kind of like that mix between Jackie Chan, where he's uses all the the scenery around him, the setting around him, but then he's also you know he just seems like he's got a lot more force behind it, and he worked on the choreography fight scenes for this movie and they, they were fantastic there's a lot of cool stuff in there which i was surprised for a 1992 action movie but um i, I just i had a total blast with this um some of the a- editing was sloppy at times but again the the action scenes were just so good that it didn't hurt it too much um of course you got some steamy sax tunes in there which always you know works for oh, me yeah. <laughs> and it, your blood boiling and it has um Al, Al, I don't know how you pronounce it, Al Long or something, but he's he's a guy that you'll see him. He's an Asian actor. Oh, and he was Howie Long. Long. I thought you were talking about Howie Long there for a second. I, I was <laughs> no, this is a guy that you've seen him. He was pretty much the the badass in every single like 80s and 90s action flick. Um, he's one mm-hmm. of the bad guys. And there's a really cool Is uh, he a blood sport? That guy with the wonky eye? Um, no, that's, that's, uh, that's Bolo Young, I think. Yeah, Bolo this Young. This is Al yeah. Long trying to think of what he was in i can't i can't think of it but if you if you look up this guy's filmography it's it's insane but uh i'm gonna give this one seven and a half out of ten like just for pure action and entertainment i was surprised i was kind of worried that it would be not good at all um i also watched uh ninja scroll from 1993 have you guys seen this anime no no Oh, you understand? Okay, so I've this is my first um, anime. I think my first I've seen. I mean, I've seen some of the DC stuff, but um, Ninja Scroll. It's kind of like uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. It's pretty much that in anime form. For our uh, Technicolor film group that we have, someone chose this movie, and um, I mean, other than it's 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 a little rapey at times, which I guess the anime they love their um, their sex and everything animated. But um, other than that, it's it is a fucking blast. Like it just from it's pretty much this guy has to get from point A to point B and he's going to fight all these evil samurais and everything along the way. There's like the stone skin guy with this double bladed sword. And there's a woman that like controls snakes and sheds her skin. And there's a guy that has like a, a hive of bees on his back. And it's pretty much him just going from path to path, fighting these insane, cool villains and it's just it's all well animated and the action scenes are amazing and the finale is really cool and and it's one of those ones too where like there's you know you chop off a limb and blood squirts you know 70s kung fu style i was totally had this is the film where it's like do i need to check out more anime because uh i'm gonna give it eight out of ten um if you just want like a super fun samurai lone wolf and cub style film it delivers and then I have two more action flicks. I guess I'll just run through at the same time. 
uh, Black yeah. Rain from 1989, the Ridley Scott film. Have you guys seen this recently? I don't know if I've ever Is seen this. Michael Douglas? Michael Douglas, Andy Garcia. Yeah, I don't think I know the movie, but I, I I've never seen it. I, I don't know what it is because this is not a film that I would have liked as a kid because it's kind of slow. But for some reason, this is a film that stuck out with me as a kid. I don't know if it was visually something always worked for me. And I remember like always taping it on VHS and watching it. And and then, but the, when I revisited it, maybe when it first hit DVD 10 years or so ago, I liked it. But I was like, ah, you know, it must have been a weird thing as a kid. Um, so when I threw it on this time, I was totally surprised because I had... I went back to my childhood and like was fucking blown away by this movie. Just on visually, it looks great. The colors and everything, the lighting, you know, you're, you, all the different sides of Japan you're seeing, uh, Osaka, Japan. Um, it's just, it's Ridley Scott in his prime. Uh, Hans Zimmer did the score. It's an early Zimmer yeah. score. Uh, Michael Douglas, just this amazing badass in it. Um, action guy, Andy Garcia is kind of this, you know, lo- lovable, charming, his lovable, charming sidekick. And then they team up with um, this Japanese uh, cop that's going to help them because they pretty much, it's his villain, commits a crime in America. They catch him, but they have to bring him back to Japan and he escapes. So they stay in Japan and they're going to help the the police catch him because they kind of feel responsible. Um, there's an amazing decapitation scene. And uh, yeah, I was... I don't know, man, if it's just the right mood or what, but I was blown away. Like this is like it might have entered top one hundred for me, and it's it's probably one of my favorite Scott films now. Wow. I'm gonna give it eight out of ten. I'm sure I'm hyping it up, and you guys are gonna watch it and give it a five or a six. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, this on Blu-ray like ages ago, and I still haven't watched it yet, so uh, might yeah, have to give it again. Throw it on. Like, I, again, it, it just all worked for me. It's got um, what's her name too? Who's the actress? Uh, Spielberg's ex-wife. She's in oh, Temple gotcha. of Doom. Yeah, she's in there. Um, but she's not annoying like she is in Temple of Doom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like the, the villain is just like this evil guy that you hate. You want to see him, you know, get his comeuppance. It's just I, I don't know. Every, everything about it worked for me. Just and the score is amazing. It's a it's always a score that stuck with me. Um, so I highly recommend that. And then the last one I want to talk about action flicks is uh, Apocalypto from two thousand six. This is the uh, of course Mel Gibson film. Have you guys seen Apocalypto? No, I just put it on my uh, watch list on Prime. So yeah. you've never seen it? Oh yeah, I see. I've seen it ages ago when oh. it first came out. Adam, have you seen Apocalypse? No, I've never seen it. Wow, this is uh, it's got to be one of the best modern action films. It doesn't like it starts off. It's it takes place, I guess, in the in the Mayan Mayan, Mayan days, like yep, fifteen hundreds or something. And it starts off with kind of this fat humor, and they trick the guy in eating the balls of the the pig that they killed, the warthog. But from the, once like it gets past that. Um, I guess they're just trying to set up because this is where Mel Gibson's like, I'm going to do a big expensive film and it's everyone's going to speak the original Mayan language. I'm going to get a bunch of no name yeah. actors because he hires if not, you're not getting white people with fucking brown makeup like everyone else would do. You're not getting, uh, you know, British actors speaking. It's like, no, these are they're going to speak Mayan. They're going to be real. Mm-hmm. They seem like real people. But he sets up pretty much the, their little village. It gets attacked. And it, it like from that point on, and it's so like if you know Mel Gibson it's, it's and Brad Pitt, yeah, it's so violent and relentless, and like that scene is just it's hard to watch. And they, you know, they pretty much capture the, the all the townspeople and his his wife who's pregnant and their kid. He, he manages to put them in a little cave to hide, so he has to get back to them to get them out of there. But it is like 
it's just like it doesn't from that from that attack scene in the opening 10 minutes and it's like a two hour and 20 minute movie like it doesn't it doesn't give you time to breathe like it's just it, it's just amazing intense and the like once the action and the chase goes on it, it, it's just so cool like I, I think this movie is amazing i mean i think mel gibson if he didn't have all his troubles i think he's one of the best directors and i'm I'm so sad that we haven't got his Viking film, but um, I mean, Braveheart and this alone kind of put him on the map. I mean, Passionate Christ, I mean, I didn't love it. It's not my type of movie, but like visually and whatnot, it was well directed. Um, but yeah, if you just want an insane, like, was that him? Sorry. Did he do the Patriot? Is that him? No, no he did Hacksaw Ridge. He was in the Patriot. He didn't direct the Patriot. The Patriot was like done by Roland Emmerich, who did like Independence Day and shit like that, I think. Yeah, because I remember uh, not liking it. I wonder if I should give it like another shot. No. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put that on the same level as, the you know, terror. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, if you, if you guys get a chance, watch this movie, yeah, man. I don't know. Humble brag over there. The only thing with Prime is they fuck up subtitles. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, I'm glad you glad you mentioned. Yeah, I was watching a I forget what movie it was. It, Baskin, the horror flick. For I was trying to watch it for our best of decade, but I had to turn it off because they were so fucked up. So the their their streaming capabilities, I think, are the best out of the the platforms in terms of how good the image is. But they fuck up subtitles so much. I'm not going to talk. I did watch this, but I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, I'm not sure if it, because it's a new horror movie. But I was watching Suspiria, and I had to turn it off. Because the subtitles, they couldn't. Fu- it was appearing and then not appearing, and I'm like, do they not want? Yeah, subtitles or. But I, I found that with so, a lot of streaming services, and I always find too. Sometimes like they'll just take whatever transfer they get. Like some, I've seen streams where like the the Blu-ray has like nice widescreen transfer, but the the stream is like an old full screen transfer Anything that they have. Older now, like if you got, uh, you know, I've I've had criterion and their transfers are fucking amazing on the stream yeah i guess well criterion's probably yeah they're probably giving them the their stream but i find some movies it's like i've got a refurbished film like i I watched the stranger which i'll just mention and probably i would probably give the stranger you know it's between a 7.5 and an 8 for me it's it's a for hire orson wells noir and there's not a good transfer of it because they all of these orson wells pictures he pissed off so many people with Citizen Kane. Yeah, that, is that public domain, that one, isn't it? Yeah, so it is, it's not even, I, I looked at it on three different, I looked at it on Netflix, I looked at it on Prime, I looked on Canopy and Criterion, because I was getting so, and, and the Criterion transfer is the best out of the four, but still not great. But you can tell they put a little bit extra work to make sure the stream was better. It was kind of impressive to see that they did that. Canopy was number two, by the way. Okay. Oh, well, I, I'm going to give Apocalypse till 8 out of 10 and recommend it either way, but maybe this would be a time to transition into some noirs, because I, noirs, am I saying it right? Noirs? Noir, yeah. Noir, I can't pronounce, I can't talk tonight. Because um, I know you've watched a couple, and I've watched a couple. I think we had some that maybe um, cross, cross uh, intersected. So do, do you want to start off with that? Yeah, other? I watched um, The Stranger, which was this Orson Welles movie about basically there is this agent who is trying to track down these Nazi officials that have escaped Germany and tracks one down into the sleepy town in Connecticut or New Hampshire or something like that. And this is revealed right away, but Orson Welles is directs himself as the Nazi that is hiding in this town. And it's really, really well done. Edward G. Robinson plays the federal agent. He's always great. 
Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen him in much, but he's in Double Indemnity, The Stranger. Uh, I have Double Indemnity. I've never seen it. I have that on my Scarlet so. Street. He, Little Caesar was one of his big one. Um, anyways, uh, like a, a really, really interesting uh, actor and how he became like a lead because he doesn't look like a lead. Um, yeah, and, and it was basically Orson Welles trying to get back into Hollywood after he made Citizen Kane and Magnificent Ambersons and was basically exiled to prove that he would play ball. So he had to like not mess with the scripts, you know, come in under budget, all of these things, and he did. So it, it's known as like the least personal of all his films, but I thought it was it was quite good. So again, somewhere between 7.5 and 8, I'd go back and forth. Uh, and then one that I know you watched, uh, Kyle, The Killing. Yeah. Which Ooh. is Stanley Kubrick's, basically his first real shot. Um, you know, he made... The first movie like a studio budget behind him, isn't it? Yeah. So he, I watched Fear and Desire last year, which was his like first feature length film that he made uh, that I actually found was quite awful. Um, <laughs> it's a student film, isn't it? It's almost like a student film. Um, like there's a little bit more to it than that, but um, and then isn't the killer's kiss before the killing as well? Yeah, the killer's kiss is his other one, which I believe is part of the criteria. Yeah, the, it is. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I want to watch it though. It's also supposed to be a little bit of a rough go. Really, I thought I heard it was quite good, but I don't know. Like it's supposed to, I think, be the first one that actually has some of his stylistic points, but. I've yeah, heard it's still, uh, you know, definitely a weaker entry. I love The Killing. So it's basically a heist movie and a noir. Um, it almost sets up the whole... I, I love how it, it uses the perspective of all the different characters to set up the different pieces. And it almost has like a, a slight Rashomon quality where like you're getting different viewpoints that could kind of skew things. Yeah, you don't get to learn too much about the people, but you get slices of their life to kind of see where they all are and why they're doing this this heist it's very economical how everything is set up and he almost sets it up like a chess game like there's a place at a kind of chess room i guess where that almost sets up how he views all these people as pawns in the game uh his style is all over it you can instantly see his meticulous nature he doesn't have the same budget that he has in a bunch of his other films but yeah i was gonna say i mean maybe it's a budget i, I didn't like i think it's still a really well directed film but I, I didn't notice i wasn't as impressed with this as what i was some of his later films like stylistic wise i don't know i still think like the way he sets up a bunch of the shots so you can see various aspects in the room and other characters all the time like there's a depth of focus in most of the cinematography that's that's fairly poignant when you get to the end of the movie and you realize what's going to happen with all of these characters. Uh, I read your review and you didn't like the end and I fucking love the end um, because yeah. uh, of where they just, they take the main character and put him. He's at a dead end. There's no other way out. Like it sets that up so beautifully. So I was wondering why you had an issue. I, I'm fine with like all that. I didn't like, I just didn't like how it all happened. Like it wasn't a stupid cat or something. Like it just, it felt like something silly that you would see in like a comedy heist film. I don't know. I didn't feel it fit the style. Like I'm fine with how it totally ends and where his character, obviously, you know, where what's going to happen with him. Like you said, it's pretty much over. But like, I didn't like how it got to that point. I don't know. 
Right. It just felt silly compared to the rest of the film that is thought was mostly more serious. I set it up like that. That was leading there much earlier in the film, though. So that's why I don't think I like it didn't feel silly to me because the the way that he gets found out is set up much earlier. So you can kind of, if you think about it, you go, oh, that's a bad decision. You shouldn't use that to hold your mind. Yeah. Oh, no, again, I, like, I agree. I, I'm fine with, you know, you know, the suitcase and all that stuff. I'm fine with that. I just didn't like, I think, whatever it was, the cat or the dog, I don't remember. I thought it could have been. I don't remember the cat or the dog. Isn't that the thing that, uh, that that they tip it over? It ends up tipping over because something that the dog runs out of the oh, woman's. The, oh, right, right. The dog runs out onto the. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just felt kind of silly to me. But I mean, it, again, it didn't hurt the film too much. I just, I find Did a the lot dog of the cat talk. That's the question I got. Yeah, the dog starts talking. It gets. It does get kind of silly. Okay. I do find that in a lot of these older films that they almost feel like they have to rush. It's like they sit up so much talking and then the last 10 minutes, it's like they got to rush that ending. I mean, I guess movies these days drag it out too much, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I saw uh, what's him Sterling Hayden was, was yeah. great. I love the high scene with the clown mask that, you know, obviously no one was inspired by the dark Knight for. And I really loved um, Mary Windsor, her character that she plays the wife, Sherry. Oh Yeah. She is like so manipulative and 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 you were talking about it pieces of a game board. I mean, I definitely thought that with her. I, I really dug her character and how she's kind of got everyone wrapped around her, her fingers, I guess, and, and other than obviously Sterling Hayden catches her quite um quite quickly. But yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I mean it, it moved at a good pace. I don't I don't have too many complaints. I, I what are you gonna give that one? Yeah, like this is this is where I, I like I'm somewhere between an eight point five and a nine. I think with this, oh, wow. um, it, it's kind of like it's in that to, like it's not the top tier canon for him, but I feel like it it plays ball right below. Um, wow, like he's got a pretty impeccable. He didn't make that many movies, so yeah. But it's not my favorite Kubrick, but I, no, I, 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 I feel, like I'd still put Barry Lyndon or or Pass the Glory two thousand one. Dr. Strain love. Like I probably put all of, and the shining probably all above that, but I, I would put, uh, it, again, you're going to think it's cause my boy, but eyes wide shut. I'm a huge fan of as well. Yeah. I love eyes wide shut. It'd probably be in like that, you know, like it's, it's tough for me. There's other than fear, uh, fear and desire. I haven't seen Lolita and I haven't seen killer's kiss now. Uh, yeah. but for me, there's Spartacus and full metal jacket that like are still probably eights. But like they're below everything else, and Clockwork Orange, they're probably like just below everything else. And then, it, yeah, I think that's how I feel. That's why I put those. And then it, it quickly just ratchets up. Like he's has one of the most impeccable filmographies out of any director. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I watched this and I totally had the noir bug. So I've been going through a bunch of them, and I'm just, I'm totally, I haven't hit. I haven't hit a, a stinker yet. So, I mean, mind you, I'm watching like all the classics that I haven't yeah, watched. There's, I haven't. There's, there's stinkers, but yeah, like there's so many good ones at the same. So yeah. what would you give this one before? Uh, I gave this one an eight out of 10. Yeah. Like that. It's, that makes a lot. It, it's probably like around that extra, that like low tier Kubrick, but high tier every fucking other director of all time. <laughs> well, I, I would, the next uh, one I watched, I would probably put over it, uh, the big heat for 1953, which I'm assuming you've seen. 
Yeah. So I saw this for the first time last, maybe about a year ago. And I might put it like, it's pretty close, but just below okay. uh, th- this one. But yeah, I, I really like, this was one of my kind of blind spots. Cause I've done a lot of, I kind of had my noir run. Uh, this almost felt like, like if you're going to introduce someone, I, I almost feel like this one, it almost has like a more modern pacing and style to it. I thought like you got the badass detective and, and even the the shocking scene, the car bombing, like which you know is, is yep. a staple of every movie these days. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that wasn't the first to have it, but I did not expect that. It was it was well done, and that's the and uh, I'll, I'll never look at a pot of coffee, a hot pot of coffee. <laughs> the same way. Yeah, it's a I was surprised to see that in a an early '50s movie. Um, I, yeah, I just I really dug this one. It has a cool mystery. And uh, I just thought the the lead was just like the most badass detective around. I, I really dug the big heat. Um, yeah. I, I don't have too much to say about it again. I don't want to spoil too much. But again, I, I'd probably give that one an 8, maybe even an 8.5. I think I'd probably give it an 8.5. Like they're very, very close in terms of my appreciation of both those films. Um, yeah. Um, did you watch any other noirs or anything? Or I don't think I have any other noirs, no. I watched some not really um, – sorry, Maddie, you probably can jump in a second, but I just want to knock <laughs> out these two because they kind of yeah, follow the same thing. I watched uh, Bullet again from 1968. I love um, it. Yeah. Yeah. This is only the second time I saw it. The first time I watched it just because I was like, everyone's like, ah, you got to see it. it's got the best car chase because I'm a big fan of Ronin and um, looking up car chase scenes. Those two would always be on it. This one's usually at the top. Um, but I remember the first time I watched it, that's all I really was. I was just like, okay, like get on with it. Let's get to this car chase. I, didn't, <laughs> I wasn't into it. And it, it's probably because of my age, but this time watching it, it's like, the car scene is good and stuff, but it's everything else that like, I totally, the car scene almost like hypnotizes you into the other aspects of this movie. Like, yeah, I think it's just, it's just, I don't know. I just loved all of it. It moves at this like slow, quiet pace, but I don't know. But but then when the chase or the shootouts happen, they're, they're just so well done. And like Steve McQueen, man, that guy's just hypnotic and he's amazing on, on screen. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think I, I think he's just one of those guys. He doesn't have like he's like a minimal dialogue kind of guy. He speaks when he needs to, but he just holds so much screen presence. I thought, and yeah, I don't know. I just I just thought the film was like constantly unpredictable, and you just didn't know where it was going. And uh, I don't know. I I really enjoyed it this time around much more than I did the other time around. Whereas like before, I was like. Uh, it's so slow get to the car chase. Whereas this time, it's like I I loved all that stuff. I mean, if anyone, it's pretty much he's a. Uh, in, uh, he has a uh, witness protection. Uh, some guy that's going to talk on the mob, and he has to keep an eye on him, I guess, and it doesn't go as planned. And the other thing, actually, I liked about this movie is like because it's so unpredictable. Like a lot of things don't necessarily work out, even though he's great at his job. It, shit doesn't always happen the way you want it to, which I thought was kind of a fascinating um, way for this this type of film to go. But um, yeah, I love Bolt. I would probably go seven and a half out of 10 on that one. Um, and then the last one I, I watched, uh, I'll quickly run through is from 1978, the big fix starring Richard Dreyfus. Have any of you guys seen this one? No, no. Is he a vet? Like he takes care of cats and dogs. No, it's a, another neo-noir film. Um, he's a, a detective, but he's got, he's got kids. So like he, his wife is constantly always throwing the kids at him. So he's got to go and do his, job and he's got them waiting in the car or he pulls out his gun there's a crayon in it so it's those kind of not really gags like it's not necessarily you know they advertise as that it's not really 
a comedy. It's quite serious. And it's this kind of almost overcomplicated political plot and espionage and all this shit. But um, I don't know. I, he's really charming in it. And it's just kind of like if you want a light, breezy kind of fun detective story. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Again, I think my biggest problem is I think the actual political mystery and everything. I, I, when you start adding political stuff into the mystery, it's not as interesting to me. But uh, other than that, like I, I loved everything else. He, he has like a, a clue board game and he's constantly pulling that out, trying to like use that to like put all the pieces together and, and solve the mystery. And um, yeah, it, it's really like, I, like a lazy detective. Sorry. It's like yeah. a lazy detective. I think Miss Scarlet yeah. did it. Why? Oh, because his name is Miss Scarlet. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but yeah, no, I'm going to give it six and a half out of 10. I didn't, I wasn't blown away by it, but I was entertained by it. like I would recommend watching it for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely a fun, fun film. So, but yeah, I, I've totally hit the bug, and I, I have double uh, indemnity on my list. Oh man, yes. I got um, I got Laura. So I got a bunch. The Long Goodbye. Um, I got a bunch. I'm going to be getting through. Oh, oh, oh almonds. The Long Goodbye. Yeah, and then, I don't know if it's necessary. I guess it's not really a, an noir film, but I got um, Lay's Di- Diablique. Oh, uh, yeah, Diablique. Yeah, which I've never seen. I've got that on my list right now. Have you? Do you have The Big Sleep on your list? Uh, the Big. I think. I I don't know if I have The Big Sleep. That one, The Maltese Fall, like a bunch of the boat, like Lonely, uh, Lonely Place. Like there's a but you know. There's a button. yeah. I saw the Maltese Falcon I watched earlier this year, and I really dug that. Uh, the Big Sleep I think I know of, but it, that's Warner Archive, so I'm waiting to find that for excuse me a good price. But it is one that yeah I, I know of it. Um, and I have a couple like kind of a more obscure ones I picked up from the Twilight Time sale because they're yeah closing. I, I picked up a couple there that I hadn't seen as well. Like like we're a bunch of them. They were B movies for the most part, and then some of them have just been elevated. Uh, yeah like the the rate the reviews on a lot of them were really good like kiss of death i I picked up oh kiss Uh, of death so that's that's my underrated that's my pick kiss of death okay and then yeah i picked up whirlpool which sounded interesting uh yeah i got a bunch i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get through them but um yeah actually one more did not really noir but i just finished uh today night of the hunter from 1955 this is I, I noticed on your as your favorite movie of that of 1955. Yeah, I made this list like so. I, I guess that that was what I would pick. But yeah, I, I like I haven't seen that one, and it was about a decade ago. But it, it fucking knocked my socks off. Maddie, have you seen Night of the Hunter? That's with the. No, well, I have actually. One of the things I've been to like watch. I think I picked it up on Blu-ray ages ago, but I haven't really. Uh, it's like criteria. Yeah, he's got the, the love and the hate on his. Uh, knuckles is that from cape fear as well yeah i think so that's from uh the simpsons okay that you oh, so cape fear, he doesn't cape have here uh episode in cape fear the remake he has something written on his knuckles i thought but potentially but it's from this okay this not the original cape fear but yeah i mean i don't know if i was blown away by it as much as you but i still really die like the directing and the and the black and white cinematography were just his own movie he made blew me away. Charles Laden. Um, it, yeah, it's crazy that this is his one and only film. I guess it wasn't a success, so he never got a chance again. Or uh, I think it just never worked out. Like he was, I think at that point he's he's older. Um, like he's a he's a famous actor, Charles Laden. Uh, yeah, 
and, and, and like a huge personality, like he, he's this towering kind of figure. And I, I think, um, I don't know that I can't remember the exact story, but there were, were some problematic aspects of how that all got put, like how this movie came together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I really dug, uh, the, yeah, the direction was definitely the highlight, but, and also Robert Mitchum as the, the preacher who is just okay. like this sly evil kind of guy that the, the scene where he like on the wedding night and the wife comes in with like her gown and he gives her this whole speech, which is fantastic. Shelly Winters. Uh, sorry. Shelly Winters. Oh, that's her. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. She looks way different. I guess it's 20 years difference. Um, I guess twenty years will do that too, yeah. Apparently, she's uh, she's a uh, some swim relay champion or something. I don't know if she was in the Olympics or whatnot, but um, anyways, yeah, he he was so good. I thought the kids were mostly good. I mean, there was a couple moments where they were overacting, but I guess that's expected of kids. I love the older, um, uh, the old kind of tough woman in the the, the last third of the film. Uh, I, I really loved her character. Again, this is another film though, where I feel like I didn't. I loved most of the ending, but there was parts of it that I didn't love. I, I don't know. I, I like, this is actually one. Cause I got this on criterion in the big sale. And I, again, I, I think I watched this 12 years ago, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'd still, again, I'm not, uh, I still really enjoyed it. I'm kind of in between a seven and a half and an eight. It's, it's this weird thing where like some of the scenes are so kind of chilling and he's so sinister and they're very well done. And then there's some that I thought, kind of came off a little bit goofy and over the top but i i love too where he's just always out and he's singing and it's so creepy oh yeah that I, like that all this stuff like i i can't pinpoint everything about this movie because it's been so long um but it all those kind of scenes have stuck with me over the years which um I, and i remember finishing it and being like for me this would have been a nine or a 9.5 wow yeah again i I don't know and maybe it's just because of the other ones i watched uh that probably enjoyed a little bit more but um there's a scene too uh i don't want to say the who who of because i don't want to spoil it but when he there's a murder scene that he does and that was just like just so creepy and chilling the way it was done as well um but yeah visually it it was amazing it's like this thing where you you realize like charles Lawton had such a great understanding of cinema language for him not to make another movie is is you know one of those lost aspects of 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 the history of film it's one of those things too where i just like again i don't get how people can't watch black and white films because i watch something like this and it's like i want more films to be made that look like this just the way they did like silhouettes and and whatnot with the colors and uh or sorry lack of color but the the mix of the the grays and the whites and black like i I don't know it just it just really worked for me and i watch all these old again i'm sure if you're watching a black and white film on tv with some terrible transfer yeah. 30 40 year old transfer but when i watch like you know these universal monster movies or all these noirs or anything like that and it's just like i don't know man i love black and white films i i get almost more excited watching them on blu-ray than i do you know a big colorful film because i i think they they are just as good but uh, yeah i tend to tend to agree so speaking of like unbelievable black and white cinematography i watched the 1971 movie the last picture show which is a movie directed by Peter Bogdanovich, who was a, a fairly major scholar in the, the 60s and bringing a lot of the golden era stuff back into public consciousness. And he probably, you know, 
he, he kind of flamed out a little bit early, but this has always been seen as his crowning achievement. And it's a coming of age story in kind of a go nowhere town in Texas in the fifties. And it stars a young Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepard and, and an actor, Timothy Bottoms, who's excellent in it. Cloris Leachman is in it, but she's in a super serious role and she's amazing. Oh, yeah. Alan, Ber- Alan Burstein's in it. It almost like plays on the myth of both small town America as a haven and, you know, the coming of age story being, you know, only in a positive light. At the same time, everyone is so interesting and likable and real that there's a lot of like comedy and pathos through those decisions they make, even though it's a, a drama. This is up there with the best movies I've seen during the the the, the break. It, it really kind of floored me. Um, it, it's felt so, you know, I, I said this earlier, but it's still modern, even though it was made 50 years ago. I'm surprised I haven't seen this because I should be my wheelhouse. Like, I should have watched this ages ago. Yeah, I've heard about it for a long time. I just didn't know what it was about. I felt the same way. I watched it and was like, how I finished it and was like, how did I let this go for so long? There's probably like one choice that I'm not like that is a little bit heavy handed that I don't love near the end of the movie, but everything else, everything else about it, I, I absolutely adored. Yeah, I'm giving this one a nine. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. You've got some like gems in this like COVID uh, lockdown, eh? Well, he, he started out kind of weak and now he's pulling up. I, told, I would talk about things I liked a lot more, but yeah, that. Ooh. Um, the killing, uh, say anything, are probably near the top. I got a couple others that I'll I'll group in later. Nice, Maddie. You got anything? Uh, I, have you guys seen App Pupil? I actually haven't, and I really, I mean, I know you can't say this anymore, but I love, I maybe not love, but I really like Brian Singer as a director. I mean, I liked Usual Suspects. I liked uh, some of the X Men films, and I really liked yeah. Valkyrie. This is an awesome movie. Like everyone in this is kind of a dickhole to each other, but like in like a weird way, like it gets over, they get in over their heads in an awesome way. I, I loved it. It's, it's about this one kid. Based on Stephen King story? Yeah, based on Stephen King movie. It's about this one kid who finds out one of his neighbors was an old like Nazi uh, lieutenant. So he kind mm. of like um, takes advantage of that fact saying, hey, listen, if you tell anybody about this, I want to learn about the actual what's going on that the schools aren't teaching us. So he kind of uh, blackmails him into teaching like the uh, dirt of uh, the Nazis and he makes him dress up as like an old Nazi lieutenant and uh, it just gets deeper and deeper and crazier and crazier. And it's Ian yeah, McCallum as the uh, Nazi. Yeah, and it? he destroys it. He is so good in this movie. And, and Brad Rappel. Yeah. He, he is good and uh, the ending just plays out in no way you thought it would yeah i'm giving it 8.5 i really dug this movie wow yeah I, it's one that i don't know how it's evaded me because again i've seen and liked everything else that director is pretty much done have you Blinded. seen this ballet? especially sorry bohemian have you seen Rhapsody? no i've never seen this movie I haven't okay. seen Bohemian Rhapsody, but that's only like partly his film is anyways, isn't it? Well, he just stopped showing up to work. Uh, yeah. It has some of the most hilariously bad editing I've ever seen in my life. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that, and I didn't like uh, that much, but I, I like some of it, X-Men Apocalypse. But, I mean, everything else he's done, I've, I'd say I really mm-hmm. enjoy. Again, it's too bad another director that's uh, got himself into trouble, and I don't know if he'll be coming back. Yeah, he I don't have, think so. Yeah, he's... He How old be, is he now? He's, he's got to be up there now, eh? Probably, like, 50 almost, or... Well, he could... Well, his chance of coming back is going to end up being whether all the stuff about the... Uh, that the child uh, molesting things is true or not. Yeah. Cause that's added on to the fact that he's, uh, you know, been a, you know, not showing up to work and whatnot. Yeah. So he's ruffled, you ruffle feathers in Hollywood. You can sometimes make a comeback, but if, if that other stuff is true, obviously he will not be. So yeah, I don't know. But, um, I, wa- I watched uh talk radio from 1988, the Oliver Stone flick. Have you guys seen this? No, I've always no. wanted to see this. Uh, with Eric uh, Bogno, um, Bogosian, 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 yeah, um, yeah. This is I really enjoyed this together. Another uh, Twilight Time pick. Um, I've been grabbing all their stuff because they only make three thousand copies, and then that's it. I mean, there's hope that some of them may get a re-release from Kino or something, but some of them probably will not be. I mean, if if they couldn't sell three thousand copies until they drop to five or ten bucks, then I don't know if too many companies are going to re-release all these, but um, I was really, really enjoyed this one. After Pontypool, I was in the mood for more um, radio, Talk radio. <laughs> but he, he plays Barry Champlain. I guess he's kind of, so I've heard some people say he's kind of like uh, Howard Stern, but I think he's more of um less like raunchy and more political radio host. Uh, he's actually based on a real um, radio host called Alan Berg. But don't read his Wikipedia too soon the movie because it may spoil some of what goes on in this film. But he's there to get the audience going. Like most of his fan base completely hates him, but they all have to tune in. But it it just it's very it's it's hard to explain. But like it pretty much takes place over like a two night span. Most of it the movie takes place in the one night, and it's just so tense. And like he has like you know, fans that are just so angry that he, some guy's saying that he sent him a bomb and he gets a package in the mail from the guy and he's opening up on air. And he has this, this other crazy guy that's talking about how he just killed his girlfriend and you know, he, what, what's he going to do? So all these crazy people are phoning him at night and some of them he taunts and about wits them all with, and he's got this kind of condescending humor that you just know is not going to end well. But man, it is it is tense and it's it's really really good. I highly recommend this one. Alec Baldwin's in there as his uh, superior, uh, and he kind of you kind of get a glimpse of his character from like Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I was thinking that like is he that like that much of an ass when he comes in? <laughs> he's not. He's not so much because the the the, Bogo, the Bogosian, Bogosian I can't say his name. Uh, he's the guy that's more the uh, you know the the, the, the kind of the the arrogant the closers guy. <laughs> But um, and then you got John C. McGinley's in there. Um, a bunch of like important cast you'd recognize: Leslie Hope, Michael Wincott, um, Alan Green plays his ex-wife, and there's just really heart-wrenching emotional scene there, touching performance where she's his ex-wife, but she's trying to like get him back on track because she knows you know this can't end well for him. Um, yeah, Michael Wincott, who uh, you'd probably recognize. Um, he plays the, the guy that, you know, keeps on phoning in saying that he murdered his, his girlfriend. He has no what to do and all this stuff. And yeah, he, he's arguing with Nazis and 
just it, it kind of seems like all the um i'm gonna get in trouble for this comment but it, it kind of seems like this could be a present day of someone in dealing with all trump supporters phoning in yeah and dealing with all that nonsense and and just this guy kind of outsmarting and outwitting them but yeah i i, I really really dug this one i'm gonna give it seven and a half it could even be an eight out of ten um again just another it can almost be with and maybe it's just i don't know, maybe just because how tense and it doesn't really give you time to breathe is uh uncut gems i can almost see it being a well know, he's a, uncut uh, gems too sorry oh yeah yeah exactly he is yeah you're right he seems like a guy that was supposed to be this big thing and it never quite happened for him but there's still people that like realize uh, you know, he, yeah, everything I've seen him is good, but maybe because he doesn't play, he always kind of plays. This is the uh, guy who is the uh, sorry, this is the evil Paul Riser, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I always get the two mixed up too. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. I, if you guys haven't seen this I, again, like I, I'm a huge fan of JFK. Um, yeah. You know, eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Um, Oliver Paul Stone. Stone killed it during the eighties and nineties, and something happened around like the turn of the uh, millennium where it just couldn't get a great movie out there right Honestly, i think alexander killed him and he kept on remaking that movie like eight times i think there's i think there's actually four different cuts on dvd and blu-ray of that film he's got a very small window for me like because once he doesn't i like i don't think i think natural born killers is pretty trash yeah i don't but if you look at so yeah before that so 1991, he did JFK. 1991, The Door, same year. 89 was born on the 4th of July. 88 was Talk Radio. 87 was Wall Street. And 86 yeah. was June. Like, that's like a, you know, that's six pretty solid movies right there. Six solid movie yeah. run. I, I agree. I haven't seen Natural Born Killer since I was a kid, and it was too weird for me. I've been wanting to revisit it, but at the same time, not wanting to revisit it. But I remember like doing that, like, redo of all, like, the 90s movies maybe again, just over a decade ago. And so many of them, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And I got to that and it was like all pumped and realizing like all the stuff that he's now kind of known for, like overtly sensationalizing things and taking quick, easy routes with kind of storytelling. It's all starts in that one. Yeah, it yeah. seems like that film was an experimental film. It was like, here, I want to try all these different weird things. and But yeah, I, I didn't mention too that... Uh, that I, the scenes where the guy is phoning in saying that he, he murdered his, his girlfriend, that uh, it, it almost had a horror feel to it. It kind of reminded me of the Zodiac killer, just the way it's done. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I think you guys would probably both dig this movie. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's just it's just an interesting and it just doesn't really let up till the end. Like it gets and goes pretty dark with all the different callers. I mean, it's kind of all despicable people calling up at 2 a.m. or whatever time it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, I, I recommend that one for sure. Uh, what else you guys got? You guys see Stan and Ollie? No. no. I kind of dug this. It was like a charm it. It's almost like, uh, I forget the guy's name, John C. Riley and Stephen Coogan played this almost like they were the actual characters. Cause like there was like jokes in there that they were doing as they were doing jokes. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I enjoyed it. It was almost like a heartfelt movie, but there was just something about the actual plot that I didn't care about. I watched the trailer and it, I mean, it looked good, but it just made me like, I want to actually go back and watch all the, the original. Yeah. Stuff. That's, I, I, I like seeing these guys play these guys, but the plot did nothing for me, but I wasn't bored. It's honestly the biopic issue. Like I just, yeah. like I watched a futile and stupid, uh, stupid gesture, which I wasn't going to really even mention during this. 
And even that has all these inventive ideas on how to tell a biopic and throw you the audience. Yeah. But in the end, it still plays the wrong boy died trope. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and they just can't escape they really that. Really hit that on the head, don't they? But yeah. this one was a bit like futile and stupid gesture. I thought it was funny because there was like jokes pretty much every minute. You know what I'm saying? They actually threw out great jokes at you constantly. Yeah, and like this one, the, they just did like these bits, right? But they were fun. But there was like every like for every nine minutes of boring log, there was like a minute and a half fun bit. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm gonna give it six and a half. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'll just go through a couple of, of things that I really, really liked. Bob Le Fumbleur, which is a 1956 movie by John uh, Pierre Melville. Melville's uh, definitely one of my favorite kind of – he's not quite a new wave director, uh, French new wave director, but Le Samurai and Army of Shadows and Le Circle Rouge, these are all I like – I actually have uh, – yeah, I saw you had those on your list too, and I actually own Army of Shadows and Le, Le Circle Rouge. Which I've owned both of them for like five or ten years because they were going out of print. So I, I was like, ah, I'd better buy these in case I like them because Criterion, when they go out of print, they skyrocket. Um, I think one of them just got re-released. I don't know if the other one did. Army of Shadows, which I just, uh, yeah. Yeah. So this is an earlier movie of his. It's a heist film um, with this super charming lead. Um, and it, it, it's really well done, like all of his movies. Super entertaining. Lots of great characters, interesting setups. I'm going to give that one an 8 out of 10. Sorry, what's that uh, one? Bob Le Flambeur, which I think is Bob the Gambler. Uh, huh. and then, Bob the Flaming Boy, I believe it's actually called. Actually, that, He's really that's really uh, And then Certified Copy, which is a newer movie that's appeared on a lot of the best end uh, of list. Um, it's playing with, it's a very art film with uh julia pinoche and is playing with the idea of if if a copy is worth the same as the original and at first it kind of has like kind of a normal sort of structure they're just talking about all these ideas in italy and then it quickly kind of turns and it it almost threw me i was like what what am i watching like i i i i lost myself there for a second and then once i got back on the same page it was an unbelievable how many layers this movie is doing with both like images and dialogue all the time. It's kind of something else. Um, I feel like I need to revisit to completely get that. I'm going to give that an eight. Um, I watched green book, which was the Oscar nominated. I'm going to give that a 6.5. Like it's fine. Green book. Is that the one with um... Vigo and, and uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, th I thought you saw that a while ago and didn't like it at all, but no, I hadn't seen it. Um, yeah, I, th I thought it was like it. It was okay, but yeah. again, and the performances are great, but it's pretty shallow filmmaking overall. Last year, Maraband, which uh, Maraband, which is another one of these kind of nineteen sixties French art films. It takes place all in this luxury hotel, and it's basically this man trying to convince this woman the whole time that they had all these experiences and she doesn't remember them, and then things start playing with memory and it's one of these incredibly masterful movies where it plays with your expectations all the time. There's not really a straight narrative. I love this one. This, I probably would give this one an 8.5 or a nine. Like it, wow. it, uh, it, it kind of, I've heard of it again, just it, it, 
when it comes to Criterion and all these French and you know, they're it's just so overwhelming. This one again is like one of these things where I just started going into a trance and was hypnotized by the overall rhythm. And when I, I sat with it at the end, it was like all this shit started just making a lot of sense. Uh, I saw the mule, which I was not expecting, you know, too much from that, you know, late period Clint Eastwood, but I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to give that a 7.5. Nice. And then I also wanted only angels have wings, which is, a Howard Hawks movie from 1939. Oh, yeah, that was... Um, Cary Grant. Of, uh, I feel like that was part of the Twilight Time or someone that I almost, when I was going through the catalog, had it. Uh, Criterion has it. Um, oh, okay. It, it's one of these movies that like kind of just snuck up on me and how masterful the story is integrated with everything else. I, uh, I ended up loving it, um, and, and that's pr- probably my... Other other like top tier movie I saw over this where it, it honestly it was making the best of the years uh, list my favorite movies of all the years and I almost put that in that year and I just watched it two weeks earlier. Um, wow. Yeah, so. see, I feel like I read the plot synopsis and it didn't sound as interesting to me. I mean, again, I'm more into like the crime and and whatnot, but yeah, like it, it's very Hawks again, so it's ultra masculine in terms of its viewpoint. But it, it, it really just shows like this unsentimental um, uh, kind of living uh, arrangement that this Cary Grant character has. Um, but he's, the viewpoint switches so, so well between all the characters. And it is actually kind of an adventure thing about all these kind of crazy pilots. Yeah, I really, really liked it. And yeah, the the last one I wanted to mention was Nothing Sacred, which is a screwball comedy with Carol Lombard that was from 1937. It was a lot of fun. It's in Technicolor, which is kind of odd for that period. Um, <laughs> That's kind of odd. But it, it looks really great. Um, there's feral children running around, you know, biting adults, which is always a, a bonus in my book. <laughs> Sexy, right? <laughs> Um, I, I give that one an eight. So that's kind of where it's at. I, I, there's one other movie I might mention, but I think Kyle's going to mention the same director. So I'll leave it there. Yeah. I'm just going to, I just have some that I'm going to quickly run through like you did there. I'm going to even go quicker for some of these. And then I have a couple of heavy hitters at the end. Uh, not necessarily great movies, but movies that are kind of genre related. So I'm going to race through these and then, you know, we end it if, yeah, we can end it if you guys don't have too much else. Um, I yeah. wasn't going to mention this cause Fuck, it's such a big film and everyone's talked to death about it. But Jurassic Park from 1993, I, I revisited this. It's been a while. And um, I, I watched this uh, with our son for the first time, but he had to, he, he couldn't finish it once it got to the scary parts. I think he made it halfway through. <laughs> He's up right now, even though it's 11 o'clock for some reason. He's up. But um, yeah, th- this film, I was just like, it's one of those films, like, I don't appreciate it. And I never think of it when i'm doing my best of lists and i just think ah it's an okay it's a popular spielberg flick but man like i i was just mesmerized by how much i was enjoying it just it's pure magic on screen like i think it's spielberg doing what he does great and the whole concept and story i mean obviously it's not spielberg it's Crichton, but what a great idea of bringing back dinosaurs with genes and then and creating a, a park with them and it all hell breaking loose i forgot how much of a horror film it pretty much is i mean it's these dinosaurs killing people and yeah they're various, monsters 
like literally monsters. Various horrific ways. I mean, there's a couple moments that are are quite scary. The T-Rex scene, the scene with that that dinosaur that spits the the, the black slime on on Newman's face and takes him out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was just, I just really enjoyed the music, the John Williams score, and and Sam Neill and Laura Dern are, are fun in it. And yeah, and, and Jeff Goldblum, of course, you got to mention him. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, it's one of those films that I don't think I appreciate. And I came away the like this. The of this are the kids. Like, I just can't stand the kids in this film. Even though yeah, like, that girl's right. a pretty good actress, but I just don't care about these kids. They're just annoying. They are, I, I agree with that, but I, I guess it's a Spielberg film. You kind of always yeah. have those kids in there, and, and to, to add to the suspense and whatnot. But I don't. I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten. I mean, I was just blown away, and and again, how good the special effects still hold up in this film, and, yeah. and how they, how much it's just amazing how they're so much better than what's come after. And I don't get that. I mean, obviously, this one they're doing it at nighttime and rain and stuff like that to help. Still CGI, right? Like this is the the. Yeah. It kind of started that movement, but I think uh, that some of the CGI, like the scenes with the brachiosaurus, those are the, those are the ones in the bright sunlight that aren't that great. But it's all the other stuff where you know right. that they actually built a real T Rex. Like when you see the the um, Triceratops laying on the ground, that's sick. It's like that you can reach out and touch that. It's there on the screen because they actually created that huge dinosaur. And I'm sure now they're just too cheap for budgetary reasons that they don't want to do that. But it's just, it's a shame because like for the most part, all the effects in this really held up. And and when that T-Rex coming after them, you're scared shitless. Whereas, you know, the new ones, it's like, yeah, it's like a video game. But um, I'm going to quickly race through the rest though. A Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad 1988. Um, wow. Me and Becky were looking for a comedy. Haven't seen this in a while. We both had, you know, a lot of laughs with it. Enjoyed it. Um, some really funny moments. I mean, not all of it works. Some of the humor is dated, but I thought it was funny. Uh, when it was lunchtime, Lachlan came upstairs and we asked, "What is Daddy doing down there, watching the Naked People show?" <laughs> and going and said what's this and i said naked gun so he went up and told becky i was watching the naked people show um <laughs> but uh i also watched um pixels uh this was a, a cohen choice um have you guys seen pixels with adam sandler and i have not no, it looks terrible kevin hart yeah it's i mean yeah, the Kevin Hart, the Adam Sandler stuff, the humor, all that's bad. I mean, if you have seen a modern Adam Sandler comedy, you know what to expect. But I, I do have to admit, like, all the um, the Pac-Man eating people in the streets of New York and Donkey Kong throwing barrels, all that looked really cool and the Texas blocks crushing buildings. All that stuff was fun. The opening was really cool. So the effects and, and nostalgia and everything were there. But yeah, unfortunately... It is an Adam Sandler flick. It's too bad. Like if you took that idea and put in a different movie, I think it could have been much better. But I'm going to give that one five and a half out of ten. Um, I watched Annie Hall for the first time. This oh, is nice. only my second oh, yeah. second Woody Allen flick. The first one I saw was Midnight in Paradise. Sorry, Paris. And I've also seen uh, scenes from a mall, which he didn't direct. He just starred in. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say other than, like, give me more Alan because I just had a blast with this. I loved his character, the style, the humor, all of it. I thought he's kind of um, – it, it reminded me a lot of uh, Larry David and Kirby Enthusiasm. I, I could see yes. him being a, 
a big uh, Woody Allen fan just because because in the in this he's he's almost like a jerk and that he just says whatever is on his mind like you kind of like him but at the same time he's kind of a, a jerk to everyone including mm. um Diane um Diane. who yeah who he pretty much you know calls stupid the whole movie or makes her feel stupid but I, I totally dug it I'm gonna give that one seven and a half maybe even an eight out of ten I I'm excited to watch more Woody Allen I, I have murder the murder mystery one he did next Manhattan murder mystery um, that I picked up as well. So I'm going to watch that one soon. Uh, one of Adam's favorites, I believe the apartment from 1960. Yep. This is directed by Billy Wilder. Yep. I believe. And it's my first Billy Wilder movie. And again, it made me want to watch more because I, I really enjoyed um, again, not too much to say, but the way the humor and just the characters and how it all just went together. Uh, Jack Lemon, I haven't, seen young it seems like i know him from like grumpy old man and glenn gary glenn ross so it was weird seeing him so young and same thing shirley mclean which you know she's kind of a fox in this i was just surprised because i'm just used to seeing them more uh in their older stages older yeah. stages of life but um yeah i mean he's a bit of a stalker in the movie you know he stuff that probably wouldn't fly these days but um, I, I mostly enjoyed it all, the comedy and this, the dialogue and everything. It was a lot of fun. I'm going to give that one probably a 7.5, 8 out of 10 as well. Um, well for me, but. <laughs> yeah, you really enjoyed that one, eh? Yeah. Um, uh, I think the problem with it is in the end, I mean, it is kind of your standard cliche story. I mean, it does it in a unique way that we haven't seen with the whole, you know, almost using his his an apartment as a brothel and, and whatnot but in the end it is still like how it all and wraps up and everything it's kind of your your standard she's she's dating the the rich kind of not bad boy but the, the the guy that's a jerk and you know the the guy that's the sweet guy is is behind her the whole time she hasn't recognized him kind of thing i don't know maybe it's just you know i feel like it in that way it's a little bit cliche i mean it's better than most rom-coms but it does still follow that same formula i guess um another one of your favorites lost in translation from 2003 finally got around to watching this um i love bill murray i i don't know i i I enjoyed it but i don't think i enjoyed as much as you this is one of your favorite bill murray movies right yeah i i also feel like this one um like i saw in theaters and I, i i loved it when i was watched it in whatever 2003 it came out um but I kind of feel like the multiple viewings of this one, like the, all the hangout scenes are so, so enjoyable to me. And the last time I watched it though, I probably have seen this movie. I don't know, 10 times, like a lot of times it was probably my least favorite time watching it. So like maybe there, I, I started seeing the, the, the chinks in the armor a little bit, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's still unbelievable. It's not my favorite Bill Murray movie, but, um, it, it's, it's top, you know, again, I'm, I'm leading up to the point to make it sound like I didn't like it. I really did. I mean, I, I think I gave it a seven and a half out of 10. I loved the score and the soundtrack. I thought that was fantastic. I loved like a lot of the quiet scenes of emotion and just like how you're getting a lot with not a lot said. Um, I thought Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson were both really, really good in it. Um, I just, I don't know, like halfway through it i was just like yeah is this it like it's it's okay i mean i could see it when it came out we hadn't seen bill murray like that but i don't know no, but you that, see that rushmore like that wasn't like brand new 
for that. And and Tenenbaums had already been out where he like he's got yeah. small. Like I don't think that was that was a surprise for him to be like that. I actually think like that atmosphere in that movie is so unique and it's so hard to achieve that sort of vibe while still having this real emotion but that's going on all the time. Yeah. Um, you're talking about what, like, I love, I, like, again, I don't watch movies over and over again. It's not really no. my thing. And I've watched this almost, a, you know, you know. I, I will say the, uh, I thought the ending was perfection. I loved that ending. I was almost going to, it was almost going to be like a seven for me, but then. That yeah, ending. Incredible. The soundtrack's incredible. They probably both have maybe been, never been better. Um, yeah. I wish Bill Murray was a little bit funnier in it. Like I thought, I don't know. It almost seems like the whole movie and maybe I'm wrong, but I almost felt like the whole movie was like, look how zany and crazy uh, Japan is. Like, look at all the weird stuff they do. Like it almost felt like it was like too much. There's a bunch of what I noticed the last time a little bit more that kind of actually lessened it. But most of that stuff is in the first, like, 10 minutes of the movie and then and and then then you're not really none of that kind of exists after that but like the rip my stocking thing like that that's that's pretty terrible scene yeah and the game show and the talk or the talk show i I love the game show because that's actually a real game show okay i don't it just all of it just seemed like i don't know i think there's a line there right like difference is you know you can take advantage of it or you can also um, well, I think it wanted to play definitely like fish out of water, like showing that like th- they both are the lost. Just like they're 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 not sleeping, so everything becomes more delirious for them too. So you're seeing some of these things through these sleep deprived people, and sometimes they look like assholes on purpose as well. That's uh, like that that was something where I started feeling like, oh man, are they they just is this all just making fun of Japan? Uh, and there, there are a couple like cheap shots early on, but most of it is through the lens. Like even when he's asking for a beer at the end, he's annoyed that people can't like understand him. Like he's just being an asshole. Like that's like that. That's like you can mark him as a character, but that's not a a filmmaking choice. Yeah. I know. Again, I still really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm happy I own it and I'm sure I'll watch it again. But, uh, it, it, you know, it's not my favorite Bill Murray or my favorite of the year or anything, I don't think. Um, and then the last one I wanted to watch before I get into the couple, the heavy hitters, is the gems. Uh, Life from 1999. Have you seen this? The Eddie Murphy that- and Martin Lawrence. Oh, <laughs> no. No, I have not that seen that. They, they work on like a work camp in Georgia? Yeah, it was chosen again for a film group. I, this is a film that came out when Eddie Murphy, like I could, had kind of lost interest. And same thing with Martin Lawrence. Uh, it's Ted Ted Demi, right? Blow and Beautiful Girls. Yeah, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I I had I think it's one of the better post Eddie Murphy films. You know, when when he was making a lot of not so great films, like. I was quite surprised. I mean, there's some really Eddie, Eddie Murphy like shines in it. Like he's doing the Eddie Murphy thing. Martin Lawrence is more of like the Dick character that 
thinks he's better than everyone. And, you know, he feels that it's Eddie Murphy's fault that they end up getting in trouble. And it, it kind of, it's, it's kind of like this weird, like comedy, but it also has a lot of emotional beats that work. I mean, the whole thing is these guys go to jail for life for something they didn't do. And, you know, just nothing works out for these guys. So it's kind of got this. And then it goes across this long period of time and you're seeing people die off and all this terrible stuff happens. So it's this weird balance that it surprisingly does well, almost like a black comedy. But I don't know. I, I would recommend it. I know you guys aren't Martin Lawrence fans, but um, it's a film that I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I, I guess I've been always curious about it, but it wasn't one that I was excited to watch. And I, I enjoyed it. And I'm not really into prison films. I find they're always bleak and depressing. I mean, even the, you know, even if it works out and then they get released, they still spent 30 years getting raped or whatever else. Prison. So um, I, I mean, I like it unless Stallone's play, breaking out of uh, a prison flick or something. I was say, like, what about like Logos at Lockup? You know, th- those kind of flicks that have, you know, they're in it for like six months and it all works out. But I'm talking about the ones like even the Shawshank Redemption, you know, yeah. he still went through however many years of, of hell. And so I don't know. Uh, I'm going to give that one seven out of 10, though. Either way, I was quite surprised uh, for that age of Murphy. Yeah, that's actually odd. I would have never thought it would be higher than five. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I probably like Eddie Murphy maybe more than you guys, and uh, I can obviously handle Martin Lawrence more than you guys, although I don't love <laughs> all his stuff either. But um, yeah, I have three more films that I want to end on. But do you guys have anything else that you want to talk I think about? That's it for me. Yeah, just keep going. Okay, so uh, I watched uh, Thoroughbreds. I believe you're a fan of this one, Adam. Yeah, I really like this movie. Uh, this is uh, it's a, a debut film from Corey Finley. Uh, it's got Olivia Cook, who we've talked about several times in this show. That you know, it's usually pretty good, but doesn't choose the best roles. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy, who is of course good. She does a lot of genre work. I thought they were both fantastic. It also has Anton Yelchin, who it's such a shame that guy died so young. Because I mean, especially in this film, he just shows how much potential he has. He's almost kind of got that Gary Oldman thing, where he's almost like a chameleon in every role. Like he's, you compare him to like you know, what he is in Star Trek to, you know, whatever, whatever role. And it's just like, it feels like it's a completely different actor, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this film. I thought it was almost, again, another one that's almost hip- hypnotic in nature where it's like, you're just watching these people just hang out and, and just weird discussions. And, and then eventually it, like he was a playwright and I didn't know that when I was watching it, but I was like, man, like the, the detail in the dialogue is, I'm yeah. Really- but yeah, I guess for people that don't know, it's it's pretty much Olivia Cook. It opens up; she murders her horse, and, and uh, you know she's considered the 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 crazy person of the town, okay. I guess. Um, and Anya Taylor Joy, Anya Taylor Joy, is this rich uh, schoolgirl that's going to tutor her in school, and then they used to be friends, and then they build kind of this friendship back up, and it eventually leads into them planning a murder. And I don't want to say too much more than that. Anton Yelchin's a drug dealer that they get him involved in all this. Which is and uh, yeah, I just thought all, all the dialogue and scenes and everything, like I loved most of it. I, I thought, again, it's a film though, when it ended. See, I love the ending of that movie. So yeah, I just, again, I, I don't know. It just, so, I, I never felt, the film never felt suspenseful enough. I think that was my biggest issue with the film. Like all the, the conversations were interesting, but I never, even even when the, the murder is first planned, you know, you never, I know I never felt any suspense or like, oh no, what's going to happen? I think the whole movie plays on 
uh, misdirection between the characters and like the final scene of it just like just is incredible like the final piece of dialogue just like flips the whole movie for me like you've been paying attention the wrong thing the whole i don't know i thought they kind of gave a lot of that up though early on you think they they play up the spoiler alert but the that it's the other character that's really the sociopath yeah, I mean, well, you learn early on that she's already been lying and she's out of school. And I don't know, they set up that she's the one that kind of, I mean, starts planning it and doing it. And then the other girl, you know, in the middle of the film has already said that she, what the reason why she killed the horse. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought you could kind of tell that like the last half an hour, I, I kind of knew where it was all going. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, for me, it was like that. And again, I watched this a year and a half ago. but. I remember being like just the way that was set up and like how callous it was. Uh, I guess too, I wanted to see again, more suspense, like the planning and how it's all going to go down. And really it just like, well, I like the bumbling at, like, that's what I love about Anton Yelchin in it. It's just like this fucking completely out of his depth guy. Yeah. Uh, being brought in. Uh, but I thought he even, I wanted to see him in it more. I don't know. He was kind of almost like a bit part in it really. Yeah, like he's definitely the two female leads, but no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I've been wanting to rewatch this one because I really, really liked it a lot. You know, I think it was in my top five of that year. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I don't, I don't think it would make probably even my top ten, but I mean, I did enjoy it. I think the the characters and the conversations were interesting. Like, I, I'm going to still give it seven and a half out of ten, but um, yeah, I, I don't. This yeah. new movie, Bad Education, which takes away a lot of his style but like the story the way he frames it is still so so entertaining i would probably give bad education 7.5 where i might give thoroughbreds 8 or even 8.5 i'm, I'm kind of on the fence on that one like I, I really really liked it a lot um so that's cool. the like I, I i knew you might talk about this one so i bad educa- education i watched last week and it was yeah, that that's one with Hugh Jackman, right? Yeah, it's de- definitely yeah. worth watching. Now, where where is that available? It's an HBO film. Uh, yeah. Um, I got two more to talk about. Matt, are you there? Yeah. Okay. I haven't yeah. seen Thoroughbred, so I kind of did the uh, when you said spoilers, I kind of stopped paying attention. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, I, I got two more to attend on, and these ones are just kind of genre trash. So Ooh. when I said, okay, when I said, now you speak of my language, boy. What's up? <laughs> yeah, when, when I said highlights, it didn't necessarily mean the best films. Just I think for our audience, maybe they might be the most interested in these films. Uh, the first one was put out on Blu-ray, uh, part of their video archive line by Vinegar Syndrome. They they released. They pretty much put out like three thousand copies, and once it's sold, that's it. Um, and it kind of comes this cool case, like an old VHS style thing. Anyways, it's called Savage Harbor, a.k.a. Death Feud, from 1987. Um, death Feud? Film, death Feud. Feud? Oh, Feud. Like, yeah. Um, family Family would have been way better as Death Feud. Um, <laughs> this film is, this. it's pure trash. Um, if you like trash and bad films, you'll get a kick out of it. If not, then definitely it's not for you. It stars Frank Stallone. Uh, it's just the, the opening is like this confusing mess where there's this human trafficking deal, but it goes bad because instead of Asian women showing up on the boat, they're white women. So then they all start 
shooting and killing each other and there's explosions and this prostitute manages to escape from her pimp and then she eventually finds her way to meeting Frank Stallone. Some creep gives her a ride and he tries to put the moves on her. He says, well, you got to pay for that ride and Frank Stallone saves her. This is a movie you got to watch with beers and and friends because like it's just so bad. Like it goes, they just met and he walks her home to her apartment to like Literally the next day they're talking about getting married and they're frolicking, literally frolicking in the grass in like a slow motion montage. And it's just creepy. And the way he kisses, it's so like just gross and like, like a horse eating an apple. Yeah. And he does a lot of these, like these long stares, like the director, you could tell had no idea how to make or edit a film. It's just a complete mess. Like he'll just stare at her for like, it's just like 30 seconds of screen time, this weird stare. It's supposed to be romantic, and it's just, oh, man, it is, it is bad. Um, but eventually, he's, um, I guess, in the the Marines or whatever, and him and his buddy go back to sea, and um, she gets uh, her pimp comes and finds her and gets her back into the prostitution ring. And it, it should be very bleak and depressing. You know, you're seeing her, he drugs her up, and she doesn't know what she's doing. But it's like the way it's all done and her acting and just everything about it is so bad that you're almost smirking during these terrible, terrible scenes. <laughs> um, you can tell like the, the director just let them ad lib a lot of like stuff. And it's all so laughably bad and hilarious. Um, Wednesday Adams from the old sixties TV show is grown up in this. And she pretty much wears Santa Claus nipple tassels, the whole movie in a thong underwear. Oh, She's wow. a stripper. Um, yeah, this film is just him. And he's got this body. Um, I forget his name. He's like, I think he might be a brother or something of some other actor as well. But uh, he kind of looks like Roddy Roddy Piper with a mullet. But him and Frank Stallone team up and they're going to get revenge on the pimp and the, these just over the top stereotype bad guys. Um, yeah, it's a fun watch just because it's just like how like it, it's just amazing that someone gave this guy money and said, so we had Santa nipple tassels. (laughs) Yeah. Again, if you enjoy like Samurai cop or Miami connection or any of those Andy Sedaris films, like hard ticket to Hawaii or whatever, you'll dig this one. Again, this is one like I want to rewatch with like, you know, you guys over and beers and Jimmy and whatnot. Cause it's, there's a great interview with Frank Stallone on the disc and it's just him for 10 minutes just talking about how bad this film is and he can't believe how bad it is. And like, he has nothing to say other than, Oh man, that was just a really piece of crap. Wasn't it? Yeah. It's just so bad. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to give that one five and a half out of 10. It's a really bad, awful Amazing. film, but it's fun. Like again, if you're going by entertainment level with friends and beers that can move it up to, you know, seven or eight kind of film, but it's, uh, it's just, it's awful. But the the main highlight for me that I've been wanting to talk about from 1984, a little nature gone amok film called Wild Beasts. I don't think I've heard this. This film, uh, man, this film has to be seen to be believed. Uh, it's about a water supply at a local zoo is contaminated with PCP. And um, <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. 100%. I'm in. <laughs> During a blackout, all the animals go crazy and escape, and insanity ensues. Um, this movie is insane. You got car crashes, explosions, gore, real animals roaming through the streets, elephants trampling over cars through the streets of, uh, not New York. Um, uh, is it New York? Wherever they filmed it though. Um, 
again, this is before effects and CGI. Like these are all real animals. I mean, the one thing that I'm going to say, and Adam probably won't be to watch it because of it. I don't care what the director claims. No animals were hurt during filming this. I, I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's rats eating a couple during they're having sex in the car. All these like hundreds of rats break in and eat them and tear them apart with insane gore. You have an elephant crushing people's heads and strangling them with their trunks. There's actually a cheetah that's filmed, man, a cheetah racing through the streets, busy streets, chasing down a VW. And it's, this is like a real (laughs) cheetah chasing this car. It's so crazy. Um, you got a tiger mauling people death on a subway train, a polar bear attacking children in a dance school. <laughs> this film, man, it is, you have to see it. Like it's, you can tell, like they just threw a tiger and said, run from this, this tiger. And, and hopefully, you know, it works out in your favor. It, it's insane. Um, the lead is like this male chauvinist dude with like a porno mustache. And he's just this huge, like, Prick, he's constantly always hitting on this reporter. I think they're dating, actually. And, like, everything he said comes out of his mouth is terrible. Like, she just got attacked and barely survived a tiger, a vicious tiger. And he says, uh, hey, uh, before you go anywhere, you should probably freshen up your makeup, eh? <laughs> he's he's <laughs> commenting on her looks instead of, you know, worrying about, you know, that she's okay. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, some of the acting and dialogue, it, it's pretty atrocious, what you expect. I mean, I forgot to mention this isn't an Italian flick, so it's got, you know, bad subtitle track um and again the film here's again a thing for animal activists the film opens up and there's a real i'm pretty sure it's real i mean maybe i'm wrong but it looks pretty real to me a dead horse's head and it's like being hacked in half and then they feed it to a tiger and you see all this like do you need really need to see that there's also um an under like it opens up with this underage girl um changing and like she's definitely like 12 or something so i don't know how that's legal so that isn't that was not cool and like i said the, the animals again there's a scene where like they're tw- flame they have a flamethrower and they're torturing all the rats off the car and there's no way that's fake uh so and there's some other scenes too where animals are like fed to other animals i mean i know that some of that's nature but when you're doing it for film i don't know like Again, the director claims no films were harmed in the in he the. You know, have to put that in, right? Yeah, it, it, but this this is a film like it, it's just it, it's insane. Like it, it's entertaining, and it's just you're just watching it, being like every scene. You're like, how did they do this? I can't believe this is done. But again, yeah, if you can't handle, again, I'm not saying like a lot of animals. I'm sure in Italian flicks and even you know Hollywood flicks in the 50s, 60s were probably not treated very well, but. Um, yeah, if you can get past that, this is one of the most insane movies I've seen. And for nature gone amok, I mean, it's near the top for me. Uh, I'm going to give it eight out of eight, eight out of ten, uh, just because. Again, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's not good about it. It's not necessarily the best directed film or the best acted or, or written film. But uh, if you just want to see eight or ten, still that's a that's one of your highest scores today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> again, like. This is a film you just watch, and every five minutes you're like, "Holy crap! What are they going to do what next?" Like, Thoroughbreds. Um, that one I, I gave seven and a half. Okay, that's not that bad. <laughs> Fair enough. No, this is like this I, is a I, film. I, 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 I want to see this movie. It looks. I'll tell awesome. you right now, like I, I will watch this again for Shocktober, and we got to like watch with a bunch of people again. I don't know if Adam Ooh. can handle it because I know he's definitely um, sensitive to animal stuff, but well, uh, you know, I don't. You know, 
depends on what he's a doing. human being with a heart. That's yeah. what you mean to say. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, again, like there's things in this that I was like, oh man, but um, it's just, I don't know when you see this fucking cheater chasing a car down the, the busy streets and the explosions and all this crazy stuff. And it's just like, it's insane, man. When you see like, I mean, yeah, some of the polar bear is obviously fake, but some of it's like a real tiger or polar bear, like five feet away from children swinging its paws at them or something like that that's insane like oh man and again it's just like if you enjoy just you know 80s gore and crazy practical effects and and stunts and everything like it's just it's 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 crazy and yeah just elephants herds of elephants trampling through the streets and running through buildings and it really has to be seen to believe if you look at all the reviews like most reviews are extremely positive. The ones that are low are the people that say like, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable watching this. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. But yeah, like this is a film we have to do uh shocktober night. I can easily watch it again. And just, you guys got to see how insane it is. I mean, maybe I'm overhyping we'll, it. But, we'll get some cheetah beers and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, um, that's it for me. Uh, I, again, I think um, for the listeners for the, the show, this may be the one, that um and i feel it's kind of underrated like severin put it out on blu-ray but i still don't feel enough people talking about like everyone that has watched it that i've talked to is like you got to see this movie i kept on hearing it from a lot of people so it seems like the people that are watching it it has a profound effect on them but i still think not enough people are are knowing about it but sweet yeah did you guys have anything else to add or no No, i think you probably have Put this uh, beaten horse to death. If you um, want to call Kyle an absolute asshole for watching a movie about uh, beating animals, you can email us at uh, moviecitymaniacs at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Movie City Maniacs. We got a like page and a group page. And we're on Twitter, but we don't really check that. So yeah, <laughs> it, We did that in instant Instagram and had no clue what to do because we're old people. But um, yeah, it was a good episode, guys. I'm glad we got together yeah. to get this out. It's been a while it's a little you i'm sure we're definitely a little bit um rusty and it's it's also not the same doing it in in, in the room with this together but uh yeah, you know way more enjoyable you, you can't see adam's eyes roll every time i talk <laughs> uh, don't worry, you can hear it. it it comes through the audio oh, good 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 that's the, but, uh, that's the charm yeah, I hope you guys like this. I mean, it went maybe a little longer, but again, we feel like it's been a while before you got an episode. We don't know when we're going to get that 75th because we're definitely trying to make sure we do that one together in a room because it's a big one for us. So, yeah, they, hopefully this will hold you guys over till then. You know, keep watching movies and, uh, yeah, we'll stay be Stay healthy back. and uh, stay scared, guys. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, Adam. Uh, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for adding the you classy too, pics, you know. Oh yeah, my actually my last movie I wanted to mention just just so you know I, I finally saw the new Star Wars. It's a it's a four point five. Okay. <laughs> I seem to be the only person in the world that enjoyed that, but that's okay. Um, anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Stay scared, and we'll be back soon. See ya. Bye.
<laughs> Welcome to episode 74 of the Movie City Maniacs. On tonight's episode, we cover everything we've been watching for our whole lives. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, I've seen 2,850 movies, so we'll start with the first one. How many Herbies are in there? <laughs> I only get Herbies. I don't watch Herbies. Uh, he actually thought Herbie's Ghost Bananas was a porn, so he downloaded <laughs> it. He was like really disappointed, but he really liked it instead, so he just kept watching them. Uh, there were some nice shots of the muffler and stuff in there. 